five. Hey, good tune, man. I don't think so. Yeah, here we go. Sucks. Talk about lame. <laughs> totally. You can change it if you want. I don't care. It's up to you. I can live with it if you can. Suit yourself. Spade's so small, you could probably fit him inside luggage. It's it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> and a little bit more muscular than Eugene Levy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't everybody, though, honestly? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, the intro this week uh, comes from you from uh, to you from Tommy Boy, which... Uh, when I, I was looking around on the internet looking for a random bits of hate, because sometimes that's how we find what's going to be a topic, and then um, I'm finding hate on Tommy Boy online, and I was like, I, part of me almost thinks that like I sometimes I think people just it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I think what happens is that people they want to hate on something. Uh, simply because of like maybe they don't like the actors necessarily because like what was the main thing that we noticed when we were, whenever we were doing the Tenacious D episode people didn't like Jack Black and so they yeah. really talked about Jack Black and how much they didn't like him or they didn't like Kyle more so than about the movie yeah. right yeah so uh, it like angered me to my soul because of of like all the uh, comedy movies that we've watched probably the one that I have seen probably the most is Tommy Boy so. Yeah, and I mean that the clip that I played to start the episode was probably is probably one of the most iconic in comedy history. We're we're sitting in the background like laughing right. whenever the clips we have played because it's just so hilarious. Because it's just like you know, they can't figure out what to play uh, for the music or whatever, and then once it gets to that ballad, they're like fucking crying in the car, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like the the fucking thing pops up on the on ah! the yeah, they're like ah. You know, Poor Richard's car gets destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Richard. <laughs> but, uh, a guy in a little car. <laughs> which, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll get into all the different things related to Tommy Boy because... That model down at the swimming pool, after the movie, they both dated her. <laughs> That's a fact. Oh, really? <laughs> That's pretty crazy, too. Because... Uh, does she actually have like a real acting credit? She was just some like extra, wasn't she? Uh, the girl at the, I mean, the she, girl at the hotel. I mean, she she has a name. I, I mean, I didn't write it down. But Pretty she sure she has a name. <laughs> what a fuck! What a fuck! A famous guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, hey, either way, if you're if you're banging Chris or you're banging, you know, David Spade, it's like you're still banging a famous dude. So yeah, Dave, David Spade uh, said that his relationship with Chris Farley, they were like a married couple, but they slept in the same bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they had a fight on the set of Tommy Boy, and it was over something stupid. They it was over Rob Lowe, basically. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, David Spade went out with Rob Lowe the night before. And didn't invite Chris Farley. Oh. Chris Farley was very pissed. Like, like how how was Rob? <laughs> yeah, how's Rob? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Funny fun fact: Rob Lowe was actually supposed to play David Spade's character. He's supposed to play Richard. Really? Yeah, he was supposed to be Richard. Except Richard wasn't supposed to be like a business guy. He was supposed to be Tommy's brother, huh. like real life brother. But whenever um, Rob Lowe had something else going on, uh, the stand. Stephen King's The Stand, so he couldn't actually do a credited role at the time because he was under contract to do The Stand, so he got demoted. His his Tommy Boy role is uncredited. Yeah, completely. Yeah, because I was listening to the commentary track and Peter Siegel said that in the original draft of the story, you know, it was supposed to be uh, Farley with uh, Rob Lowe primarily was going to be the movie. And he said that eventually once they started working on it and he had David Spade there... He was like, well, you know, we're going to change some of this stuff up because he's like, I think the relationship between Tommy and Richard while they're on the road is was eventually what the movie becomes. Oh, they got great chemistry, man. Yeah, and that's the thing because he was like, you can't deny. He was like, a lot of the jokes that they took was actually from uh, things that happened in real life, like Fat Guy in a Little Coat. Chris yeah. Farley would actually do that for real. Yeah. Well, Lauren Michaels wanted the movie to be... Uh, the writers actually wrote it for Chris Farley and David Spade because mm-hmm. it was SNL writers that wrote them. Because uh, Lorne was the producer for Lorne's it. Lorne's the producer. Lorne Michaels, yeah. Lorne Michaels is the one that wanted uh, Rob Lowe. Um, and it just it didn't work out that way. And Spade, it's better than Spade was yeah. the guy. Yeah, because I don't think this movie would be the same thing if it wasn't, if it wasn't Spade and Farley. I mean, Rob Lowe's great. I love seeing him and everything, but kind of his villainous characters, like in Wayne's World, which was also Peter Siegel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, he's really good at being the dickheaded villain type guy. Mm-hmm. Fucking dude. He's uh, he's got that like that douchebag face too. He does. <laughs> like he's got like that kind of that really punchable douchebag face. Like even like in Parks and Rec, he's kind of a douchebag, but also likable. <laughs> That's kind of what he does. He, he, he douchebag, <laughs> likable. Or a douchebag. Right. <laughs> he can kind of, he, he can sort of float between those things, but he's really good at that, yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it, I also thought it was kind of funny, too, because, like, uh, the Marquette rugby jacket that he wears at the very beginning when he's in college. Right. Yeah, Chris Farley actually went to Marquette, and I, th- I think that's his actual jacket that he wore. Most likely is. I think it's his actual jacket. Peter Siegel didn't say in the commentary whether or not it was actually, but he said that he played on Marquette rug on the Marquette rugby team. So like they just kind of put that in the movie that Tommy would have been on the rugby team as well. And so like oh, there, the was, other... there was a lot of uh, movie references in that in that movie too. As yeah. As far as like the uh, that uh, his dad's wife, you know, she was uh, whatever fucking. Uh, Bo Derek. Bo Derek. Yeah, Bo Derek. Yeah. yeah. She, was, she was like what got her started was that movie Ten. Mm-hmm. And when she got well, out she of the pool, the he's like, oh dad, you know, she's a ten. And it's like ah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that for me? No, son, that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> Bo Derek's super hot in that movie. 
Fuck yeah. <laughs> considering that, like, she's, she's you know, older at that point, you're like, man, like, did, did she, like, did she create the word MILF? Like, yeah, is that what? Is that, that, that could be. The MILF started Historians a hundred years down the road will say, the MILF started here. With Tommy Boy. <laughs> Tommy Boy with Tommy Mo Terry. Right. That's, uh... But uh, the thing is, is that we we love this movie. I've always loved this movie because I think I've owned it. I think I've owned like like probably three or four copies of this movie. <laughs> I was actually watching the Holy Shnikey edition at once. He still he just keeps buying Tommy Boy movies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he has it's a whole movie? shelf, and it's like twelve Tommy Boy movies. <laughs> hey, look, you know, if the world goes into a nuclear apocalypse, I'm gonna have all the Tommy Boys. Yeah, <laughs> with no electricity to watch it. Right. <laughs> But you know what? In, in case there's a Book of Eli situation, I will be the only one who has that shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I have a copy of Tommy Boy. They're like, okay, we won't kill you. Yeah. That was a good movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's Unless like, Ebert comes back and he's the judgment and then you'll die. Yeah. Which takes me to my point. The <laughs> thing that uh, really put me on this path of, like, we should really do Tommy Boy was uh, I read an article that was, like, the uh, top movies... 22 movies, in fact, that Roger Ebert hated and gave, like, basically the worst rating that he could. Hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll go through the, the list here because I think it's kind of important to get perspective on, on things that Roger Ebert hated. And, you know, he's considered to be one of the greatest movie critics of all time, right? Yeah. When you say, like, Roger Ebert or you say Siskel and Ebert, right, they were, like, the guys. Like, when you wanted to see... Like, if you want to get insight on a movie, typically back in, like, the 80s, 90s, you went to Ebert and Siskel because you wanted to get information because they were a trusted source. Well, some of the things that... Siskel more so than Ebert, I remember back in the day. Because I remember Siskel and Ebert, and I don't think hating comedies happened until Siskel died. Because... Ebert usually agreed with Siskel even on comedies because they were like they were pretty into comedies too. They would give them good ratings, but a pattern I've seen after Siskel died is Ebert almost hates every slapstick comedy. Because was it because like he, he kind of uh, it wasn't fun for him anymore. He didn't get any enjoyment out of them anymore. You know, comedies are something you watch with friends, loved ones, stuff like that. Somebody to laugh with. Maybe he just doesn't have anybody to laugh with. Right. Favorite movie of all times, 2001 Space Odyssey. And Stanley Kubrick is a masterpiece. I mean, it's a very artsy film. I love that movie. But but it's the rewatch value of 2001 is basically zero. (laughs) And it's something after you see it. And it's a great movie. I'm not bashing that movie. Stanley Kubrick. I love 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's amazing. Stanley Kubrick's 2001 is one of the greatest films ever made. Like I said, rewatch value, probably zero. And it's something that you show to film students when you're teaching them how to make films. Right. It's a very, very artsy picture. Is it the greatest movie of all time? I would say no. I would say it is. It's opinion-based. It's opinion-based, but it's great. I'm not saying it's not great. but Would you say that it's the greatest sci-fi, like traditional sci-fi movie of all time? How traditional? Like you're talking just in like Stanley Kubrick's area? Are you including Star Wars into this? Uh, well, it depends because some people can classify Star Wars as more as like a science fantasy instead of science fiction. Yeah, like a science mythology. It's more like like a, like a science mythology or space mythology. So sometimes people don't lump it in with that. But when I think of like traditional sci-fi, I think of something like Planet of the Apes, 
2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, the original Alien. Realistic kind of science. Yeah, more like that kind of stuff. Or you could even throw Blade Runner in there. Yeah, sure. Would you consider 2001 to be the greatest of that genre? No. No. I'd, I'd lean more toward Blade Runner. Blade, Blade Runner is definitely one of the... See, and see all this is opinion-based. Yeah, see, these are just our opinions, because you know, we would probably just put Star Wars if we classified it like that. It, but, yeah, I mean, sci- science, fantasy, or uh, mythology, or anything like that you want to call it. Star Wars is Star Wars. It's kind of like Star Trek. It's all in a league of its own. Those two are really the things that compare to each other. Yeah, my favorite science fiction movie of all time, me personally, is Terminator 2. Terminator 2? I've watched that movie probably more than any other movie, even probably more than Star Wars in some cases. Mine, like, rewatch value-wise. I'm not saying, like, artsy, the greatest film and stuff like that. It's probably pitch black. It's something that I love and it's just repetitive. Or or Aliens. Not Alien, Aliens. The sequel, which was also James Cameron. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that one better than Alien. Alien seemed more like a horror. Uh, Alien. Well, Alien was hard. It was yeah because it has that uh, yeah. that v- very much that uh, that's uh, it's like the the sense of like the atmosphere. It's the atm- It's yeah. like a really atmosphere heavy because it's it, it's really on the suspense part of it. It's just it's it's more it's like a horror movie that takes place in space. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it is, and that's why it was so successful. It's unique. It's awesome it's all awesome but yeah i was just giving perspective on that i wasn't saying he was wrong and saying that that's his favorite movie of all time yeah but also but we, some, something else that he really loves and i really do disagree with is ai did he, any of y'all ever see that movie ai artificial uh, intelligence i think i've seen part of the it Spielberg yeah. movie or whatever yeah i've seen part of it i haven't that seen the whole thing not one of the greatest movies ever. No, it's good. It's got a good perspective on things, but yeah. I mean, as far as like amazing or anything, nah. It's, Would you consider it one of the best? honestly forgettable. Because <laughs> uh, it does nothing different that Spielberg hasn't already done. So it's just, you know, oh, this visually looks great, but then it's like, but nothing, like I watched that movie probably two or three times, and I don't just off the top of my head, don't really remember anything about it right no. now. Right. No. And we're, we're the type of people that we, we remember stuff from movies that's like, pretty detailed. To the detail, yeah. yeah. And, like, right off the top of my head, I just can't... I, I, the only thing I remember, Jude Law looks really weird. <laughs> yeah. He's like a, he's like a sex... Sex bot. Yeah, sex bot. <laughs> yeah. He pulled it off, so, you know, whatever. I mean, Jude it's Jude Law. Jude Law's he's awesome. A, yeah, he's, he's a sexy he's man. Way. I mean, what can you say? Man. He's beautiful. But, but anyway, <laughs> we'll get to it. I was just getting y'all. This is the type of in foreign, like really old foreign films. Stuff that I couldn't even pronounce is stuff that he really, really loves. But I wasn't going to include them because I can't pronounce. Like them. Kurosawa movies. Yeah. Akira yeah. Kurosawa movies. Okay. And the, those type of movies are great if you're into those. Those, yeah. the, like the ones he had listed, are really good. Yeah. Um, but to give you perspective, here's the the 22 movies that Ebert hated when he was doing movie reviews so uh let's see should we do these in 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 like the reverse order um should we start at the bottom yeah let's start at the bottom okay let's let's we'll start at 22 
So, um, some of these I don't think I've heard before. I, I don't know some of these. Like, we'll, we'll just go over them if we've never seen them because we can't have an opinion if we haven't seen them. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie North? I've never seen North. Nope. So, it uh, might deserve this. Dan Aykroyd? So. I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything. Okay, Clifford? I don't remember that movie no, either. I've yeah. seen a glance at Clifford at somebody's house one time. And I don't remember enough to have an opinion about it. Okay. So number 20 was Summer School. No. Do we, nope. do we any of us know that one? Uh, number 19, She's Out of Control. Nope. nope. Uh, okay. Um, number 18, The Love Guru. I've seen that. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I mean. Uh, it's slapstick comedy. Yeah. Slapstick comedy and he hates it. And I didn't hate it. I loved Justin Timberlake in the movie. Uh, he was hilarious. But I mean, it's a Mike Myers movie. Yeah. Like, you know, when you get to a point where you're like, okay, you're just hating on Mike Myers, it's like, he has a different kind of comedy, you know? I mean, even like Wayne's World is a different type of comedy, yeah. you know? Yeah, he tries things, and sometimes he fails, sometimes he succeeds. It's almost like Adam Sandler, how he does, like, you know, you remember that movie, Don't Mess With the Zohar? Yeah, loved it. Loved it. People Most hate people it. hated that movie. Yeah, that I movie loved it. was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, that's just Sandler's type of comedy, and yeah. you know Mike Myers, he's, he's He'll pretty do much that like too. that. Yeah. You know, he's like, okay, I'm do something crazy. Are you a faggot? <laughs> <laughs> it's just awesome. I have the biggest. Yeah. No, but, no, the biggest I, bush. I've seen, I've seen bigger. No, the bush. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. But uh, number seventeen was the village. Okay, this is something I have to say about the village. Uh, I'm not saying that it's the greatest movie ever. But it's really good up until the twist. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is a really good movie until the twist. It's like it gives itself away too soon. And then you're just kind of like, man, I kind of wish those monsters was real because then that would have made King Phoenix like a badass. Yeah. But then you find out like he just knew. Yeah. And that's why he wasn't scared. It could have been a lot better. It, and the stuff. twist and then, what ruined the movie. Yeah. Sometimes was, that's the thing with Shyamalan is that he he overthinks his movies too much. God, yeah. And it's like, it's like, dude, you, you could have really you made so something close. great here. You were so close, and then you you, you, you messed with too many things, he take, and you fucked it up. Yeah, he takes his own rewatch value out of it. Right. Because, you know, you have Joaquin Phoenix, and then you have uh, Bryce Dallas Howard in the same movie, and then you, you ruin it. But, uh, so the number 16... Uh, is Tommy Boy, and of course we're going through Tommy Boy in depth here, so we're, we're going to jump past this Well, what he says about Tommy Boy, and I, I'm memorizing this off the top of my head, he says, no one in this movie is funny. There is not one memorable line in this movie. We're yeah. going to quote this movie the entire time. Holy shnikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is probably the most quotable movie, <laughs> comedy movie ever made. Right. Because, I mean, how many times do I make references to Tommy Boy? Like, I reference that movie constantly, you know. The one I think I, I, I do the most is, like, like when I'm working, you know, at, at the shipyard or whatever, and I see the ambulance, I'm like, here comes the main wagon. That was almost the clip that I played at first, and I was like, no, it has to be the car scene. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> when he's like doing the whole uh, brake pads thing. Oh, because yeah. you wanted to save a couple bucks. <laughs> get out. Yeah. Get out. Do you guys validate? Yeah. Get out. Get out. <laughs> uh, but uh, number fifteen was Hocus Pocus. Well, that okay. 
So Hocus Pocus is almost like a cult classic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people love that movie. Especially around Halloween. Well, people classic. still play that on Halloween nowadays. As cult like classics a, is one of those, you know, real love-hate like, kind of things. Like, yeah. like Rocky people, Horror Picture Show. Yeah, like people will love it and then half the group will freaking hate it. Right. Yeah. So. But because it, it's it just never, for a particular group. Yes. But the thing about cult classics is they never go away because there's enough people that love them that makes it popular. Yeah. They make most... Cult classics, to me, make most of their money after... Um, like, people are like, That's I hate theater. this movie, I hate it, and it gets pushed out of theaters and then next thing you know it's like it's everywhere yeah like, like like big lebowski yeah, big yeah. Lebowski, lebowski when it came out it was, uh, people people were into it but now you have like an entire festival where people dress up as characters from big lebowski scarface <laughs> made one million dollars yeah and probably the you know one of the greatest movies ever it's had the best life after a movie probably ever after yeah. its theatrical run you know yep. so um, many things tried to be same thing with blade runner yeah. yeah, Blade Runner. Yeah. Uh, so number fourteen was Exit to Eden. Never seen it. Uh, not seen it. Like uh, number thirteen was Mannequin. Mannequin was the bomb. Mannequin was pretty cool. I mean, I like that movie. I've never seen it. What is that? Um, it's like where it's, she's like a she's like a store mannequin and she comes to life. Yeah, she comes to life. And then and like he his falls in love with her. No, and then, the most she was cursed. Part, is she hot? Yeah, that's her. I right mean, there. yeah, you can see her on the picture right there. I want one. Where do I she's this? like pretty. I mean, she's like you know that's Kim Cattrall, isn't that? Yeah, that's Kim Cattrall. Yeah, it's Kim Cattrall. Like, back in the 80s, Kim Cattrall was a fox. I mean, even when she was on Sex and the City, she was a fox. I mean... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. she, uh, she was the uh, she was one of the one of the girls on Sex and the City. That's kind of when she yeah, started. Yeah, AJ She's the tall one. The tall one. Yeah, right? AJ loves Sex and the City, so he knows mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Not the, not the show, the actual thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Ladies? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> number 12 sweet, was... Sweet, 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 sweet. <laughs> uh, number 12 was Charlie's Angels, which he gave a half star... The Charlie's Angels movie, and I'm like, uh, it's not that hateable. Come no. on. Is it no. the is it the one with the Lucy Liu? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like Lucy Liu, Barrymore, and uh, no, Cameron Diaz. With that. Lucy Liu's ass alone makes that four stars at least. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good movie. I would it say it's good. Not it's amazing. Fun. I mean, Bill Murray's freaking uh. Bosley. Bosley, yeah. Yeah. So, Bill Murray. Argument invalid. Yeah. Uh, number eleven. Barrymore's in this movie. Right. <laughs> Number eleven was Corky Romano. That's I'm, just dude, that's just goofy comedy. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, you know, it's Chris Kattan. It's Chris yeah. Kattan. That's all he does is like goofy comedy. He's great. It's, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. This, this is sorry. look. How many of these movies on here are comedies? Most of them. Most Almost of them. All and what I'm seeing a pattern here is most of them have something to do with SNL. So I'm thinking maybe Lauren's like screwed Ebert over or something. Because he's like, look, I'm going to hate every SNL movie you ever make. <laughs> right. He got political, probably. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Yeah, he probably is on the other side of Lorne. So, yeah. number 10. Here we get into the top 10 that Ebert hated. Uh, number 10 was Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> oh, which he God. gave zero stars. He didn't even give it a rating. He was basically thought it was useless. Oh, God. <laughs> and so, and I'll actually read the quote here that he, that he put that was like his synopsis. It says, this movie doesn't scrape the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't below the bottom of the barrel. This movie doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence with barrels. <laughs> that's pretty harsh. Yeah, wow. that's pretty harsh. Uh, I get his point, that's for sure. So then number nine was Good Luck Chuck. Never seen it. I've seen... Is that Dane I, Cook? Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen that. That's pretty good. Jessica Alba and Dane Cook. Yeah, I have seen this one. Jessica I, Alba's the only reason why I got one star. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a stars more than that. Jessica Alba should have got at least like three or four stars. Dane Cook's not that great of an actor, but he's funny, and Jessica Alba's also, you know, I would have. Jessica Alba can really do anything that she wants to. She just doesn't act anymore. Uh, Number eight was Spice World. Now I do. (laughs) I've seen the movie, I really don't remember it at all. I mean, I've seen it before. It's, I don't think it deserves to be like that. Hate it. I don't think it's like something. I was like, oh. This isn't. But that's the thing. That movie was created for like for girls that were fans of the yeah, Spice Girls. E- Ebert should not like this movie. Yeah, he it shouldn't be like, oh, I love the Spice World movie. It's my shit. It's like you're talking about a movie that was made to basically like you know to sort of extend some of the hype. It's pretty nice. Never the, mind it, To be honest with you. Yeah, because like that's a comedy as well, and that has yeah. ad, that has like um, that's for a particular audience. I mean, can, do you not realize that? I mean, yeah, yeah you, you, you got to judge it for what it's made for. If you're going to yeah. be a movie critic, you can't judge it for just being an asshole. Yeah, and yeah. it's got Alan Cumming in this movie too, and he's one of the funniest parts of that movie. Because yeah. I mean, the girls aren't necessarily like actors; like they're they're singers. That's what they're supposed to do. But you know, Alan Cumming's like really funny in that movie. He's one of the best parts of that movie. But it's like. You know, why are you going into it thinking that Spice World's going to be, you know, something like Citizen Kane? It's not, you know. It's it's a movie about about the Spice Girls that's made for Spice Girls fans at the time, which was basically like young girls and teenagers. Uh, number seven was Mr. Magoo. Don't know what um, that Not yeah. sure. Okay, number six was Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. Oh, come on, man. I mean, it's not, it's not any more <laughs> ridiculous than the first one, and the first one was good. It's Rob Schneider. It's Rob Schneider, who's another SNL alumni. Yeah. Yeah, so we're seeing a pattern, pattern here. Yeah. So yeah. maybe we should have... This is the golden game. age of Saturday Night Live. I mean, right. This is... Number five shocked me. Because I even had to tell Steve, I was like, this is kind of fucked up. He gave number five to the usual suspects. Uh, yeah, that's one of, I mean, uh, Kevin Spacey before all of his craziness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you and know, boy loving. Gabe, or this yeah. was after the boy loving. But anyway. Yeah, you got Gabriel <laughs> Bryan, uh, Benicio Del Toro. You know, it's a great movie. It's a really good movie. Good twist at the end. Yeah. Kaiser Sose. <laughs> um yeah, this was a, yeah, because this was like a, of Brian Singer's work, probably the best thing he ever did. This is the best thing Brian Singer's ever did, because the only thing he's ever done after that was ruin Superman and X Men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired! Yeah, that's uh, number. And f- that's not any hate at uh, all. That's fact. Superman Returns. Yes. Yeah, garbage. Yeah, and uh, and that was not Brown Brandon Routh's fault. No, he actually is good in that movie. He's the a good story. Yeah. Sucked. Uh, but number four was Mad Dog Time. I don't think I know that one. Number three was Jason X or Jason Ten. That might deserve to be on here. Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm not a big fan of horror movies in no. general, no, but the only like Friday the Thirteenth you really need to watch is the first one. Like, Maybe if you yeah. wanted to watch the second one, watch as many as you want. Just don't put uh, serial killers in space. That's stupid. <laughs> they did that on one of the Hellraisers where they had yeah, let's do Ed Keen on a space in station. Space. It's like that's still he's still exact same thing. He's yeah. still doing the same thing. He's just in space. He's just in space. It's not a part of a storyline. It's just a location. In space. Because yeah. they did that with one of the Hellraiser movies. Because in one of the Hellraisers, they had Pinhead on a space station. In space. And I'm like, I'm like, no, you cannot do that with Pinhead. Like Doug Bradley, you're wasting him in this movie because in of the space. premise. Because I've I've seen all, all of the all of the uh, Hellraisers with Doug Bradley in it. I've watched all of them. 
And I, you know, and there's, it, it, who knows, we might even get into Hellraiser if we end up doing like a Halloween special or something. Maybe it's we'll get into the, but we're definitely not doing that one because that one's a bit rough. Uh, but anyway, number two is the Brown Bunny, which I don't even think, I don't even know what that is. It sounds like a drug. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. No, there's actually, like, there's actually a porn like a, site called Brown Bunnies. But anyway. It's got an anal porn. Uh, there's some of that on that okay, website too. This is um, a little dark. <laughs> <laughs> if you wow. mean dark women, yes, on brown bunnies there are dark women on that website. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, um, write just listeners. Yeah, yeah. Ladies. <laughs> if you want to see some good, you know, black woman porn, there you go. Yeah. Uh, there's a little freebie for you. Uh, number one was Armageddon. Armageddon. That's kind of ridiculous. Michael Bay. Yeah, I don't. Like that's that's kind of ridiculous. I and, mean, Michael Bay. We're not Michael Bay fans. Uh, it was written by J.J. Abrams. But would it be... Really? Yeah, J.J. Yeah. Abrams wrote Armageddon. So... That's why the story's the so epic. I have to say about it. I can see the Michael Bay parts in it, which is Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, 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 you know. Cheyenne Megan Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on set, but I just see similarities from his other movie, Pearl Harbor and, Yo, you yeah. know, Transformers. You can kind of see a pattern, even in Bad Boys 2. Yeah. Um, type thing. Uh, the Bruce Willis part is probably all the stuff that Abrams wrote. Abrams, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, Bruce and the mining crew. Yeah, mining crew. The Steve whole self-sacrifice at the end. Yeah. yeah. That definitely is not fucking... That's not Michael <laughs> Bay. <laughs> everyone, li- everyone lives in Michael Bay films. Yeah. Yeah. Against robots. Right. <laughs> robots. <laughs> what the fuck? Twenty foot robots. So, uh, so Ebert, as far as like his... Um, his review of Tommy Boy specifically, because I went onto his website to look it up, and uh, it's just it, it. Part of me is just it's just kind of like I think what it is is that he is trying to analyze this too much, and it, it might be maybe the trap that he's seen too many movies. You're gonna find similarities in some things, but some of the similarities that he finds in this is like I think you you probably have watched too many things, Ebert. And you're starting to like put too many things together here instead of just enjoying the movie, you know. So, I, 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 hold on, I have something for you guys. Trivia. Okay. Um, you remember the waitress Helen? Yeah. You look like, like a Helen. You look <laughs> like a Helen. Do y'all know who was supposed to play that character originally? I know who was supposed to, but I don't remember. Um, like Roseanne, yeah, Roseanne. It was Roseanne. Yeah, because Tommy or, uh, Chris Farley was friends with Tom Arnold at the time. Yeah, they yeah. they were friends all the way to his death. Yeah, a lot I of mean, friends. when yeah. Chris Farley died, you know, Tom Arnold wrote something that was kind of like, um, um, you know, you will be missed and stuff like that. And they said, you know, my my friend and also fellow addict or whatever because you know Tom Arnold was addict so was Chris right. Farley yeah and you know they were fighting they were fighting their addictions together when I say addict the first thing people probably hear in their ears is like oh no he, he he's an addict I mean, he's a bad person that's not what that means he was he had an addictive personality and he had a lot of stuff that he was going through just because he was an addict doesn't make him a bad person he was struggling through life. Everybody's yeah. mad for something. Yeah, they, everyone is. So, you know, you should not judge. And Tom Arnold had to go through it and, you know, still goes through it. He's one of the main people that say that just because you were an addict doesn't mean that you're not an addict anymore. You're always going to be it, even if you're not doing it. Right. Right, yeah. It's something you always have to <laughs> deal constant, with. It's a constant, yeah, constant battle. But, so, uh, but on, on Ebert's review here, 
um, let's see. It, it kind of goes through sort of like the the thing where he's like sort of describing the story. Uh, but he says, uh, so his opening thing here, it says, this is March 31st, 1995, by the way, when he wrote this. Tommy Boy is one of those movies that plays like an explosion down at the screenplay factory. You can almost picture a bewildered office boy, his face smudged with soot, wandering through the ruins and, and rescuing pages at random. Too bad they didn't mail them to the insurance company instead of filming them. This movie is an assembly of cliches and obligatory scenes from dozens of other movies. All are better. Uh, it has the it has the on, only one original idea, and that's a bad one. The inspiration of making the hero's sidekick into simultaneously his buddy, his critic, and his rival. Uh, and then it, it says it's like the it, it's uh, like the part was written by three writers locked in separate rooms. And it's like you really like Richard's not like really his rival at that point at that point he's basically just trying to help Tommy sell brake pads basically well their their personalities is against each other if you know anything about it is as soon as they met they were immediately like joking with each other Chris Farley initiated and then David Spade you know he's quick and witty he's always going to say something smart ass back to you if you say something to him Right. Chris Farley liked that interaction between them two. Because that's how they were in real life. And that's basically the characters that they play in Tommy Boy is Chris Farley and David Spade. Yeah. They just have different names, but it's basically their personalities. Because <laughs> Peter Siegel was just like, hey, if you guys have an idea for something and it, it's funny, we'll keep it. You know? Like, there's some things that are actually done right, directly like how the script shows it. But there's other things, too, that are just improv. You oh, know, that, yeah. Him, he's very, he was very known for improv. Yeah, both of them can do it. And it's crazy. And Farrell are like the top. Yeah. The top. Yeah, I mean, David David Spade's really good at improv. Chris Farley was one of the best of yeah, all time. Yeah, Like you said, Will Farrell's probably the other best of all time. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Will Farrell could probably just sit there and do improv for like eight hours straight and not get not funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other one that I would probably throw in that, but he wasn't like an, SL, an SNL guy, was Sasha Baron Cohen. Well, Sasha Baron Cohen's just naturally just... He can just play characters just out in the open world. Well, you know, a lot of the Talladega Night stuff was improv between Will Ferrell and Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. And they were actually doing <laughs> things offset to see who would get uncomfortable first. And, spoiler alert, neither one of them got uncomfortable first. <laughs> right. Because it's, like, it's basically like, a, like a, a battle of like two like cringeworthy titans. It's like, Sasha Baron who cringes Cohen, first? Because so, the, the thing at the end of Talladega Nights, I know this isn't about Talladega Nights, but now... This is the Talladega Nights podcast. <laughs> but, but since we mentioned it, I have to finish the story now. The thing that happens at the end of Talladega Nights where they kiss was something that they actually went through just improving against each other offset. Like, Sasha Baron Cohen's like, oh, he'll break if I try to kiss him. Because Sasha Baron Cohen doesn't care, you know? No. And, uh, One of his characters is, like, full gay. Yeah, so Sasha Baron Cohen's like, this is what will break Will Ferrell. Didn't break Will Ferrell. You cannot break him. <laughs> you can't break either of them. I mean... The only person that could break Will Ferrell is Dolph Lundgren. Let's be honest. Right. <laughs> and that's in another way. Yeah. <laughs> I must break you. I must break, break you. <laughs> Which we I might actually break. end up doing Rocky Four at some point. I know if we end up doing Rocky Four, that's actually a good idea. Because I know how much you love Dolph Lundgren. We it made have, the list! Right. It made the list. Chris Jericho, we, we owe you like probably a nickel now because of how many times we've used that. Um, 
but it's so on, on Ebert's review, it, it continues. It says the plot thickens, or does it congeal? I begin ticking off the I, I begin ticking off the story cliches. We already had number one, dumb son returns to family business, and number two, unexpected stepmother. Uh, soon we get uh, number three, company gets in trouble and all workers will lose their jobs. This all happens in like the first twenty five minutes. Right, yeah. This is he's basically just like recapping like all the stuff that happens in like the first like half hour. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, number four, it's up to the kid to save the day. Number five, evil stepmother. Number six, road uh, road movie, and number seven, buddy picture. You know you know what? He's absolutely right. This is a Cinderella story. Right. <laughs> it actually is. Now that I think he's on all this cliche stuff, but isn't everything cliche? Yeah. Everything to you, a degree. You can make anything cliche. Yeah. Yeah. You could basically just say, like, well, everything is, like, a cliche. And it's like, well, this because, you know, how many stories can you tell in the world? The best stories are basically the same things, just told a little differently. Yeah. I mean, how many how many differently, how many different stories can you possibly have? You can make anything cliche just like you can uh, word anything to make it sound stupid. Right. Even if it's not stupid, you can word it in a way that makes it sound stupid. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm going to the mall. Oh, yeah, so you're going to the mall? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's all about context. It's all about context. You can make it. You can make anything sound stupid and useless if you want it to. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it says uh, it says the the last two come as Tommy hits the road in a desperate last minute bid to sell brake shoes, accompanied by his friend Richard. Which is actually funny because at the very beginning of the movie, when Tommy's chasing after the bus, Richard's right next to him on the bike. You know, like, I, th- I think people forget that, but it's like, he knew Richard even when, when Richard was, like, small. Because yeah. they were, like, they knew each other from school. Don't make any mistake about it. His name is Richard because he's a dick. He is a dick. Yeah. <laughs> that is why his name is Richard. <laughs> Richard. <laughs> Shut up, Richard. <laughs> Shut up, Richard. Uh, it says, uh, Richard has been introduced as a resentful employee who doesn't think Tommy should get such a quick promotion. Now he becomes a sidekick, a critic, rival, and buddy, all wrapped in one ungainly package. And it's like, but that's the thing is like... It doesn't start that way. He's like, he's not his buddy at first, because no. he thinks that Tommy's just some privileged kid that was given his position while yeah. Richard's been there working the whole time. Yeah, he, he's So he's like, not his buddy at all, and he's not really his rival, he's just kind of like... You know, whatever kind of. Yeah, whatever. He's like, you know, I've been working my ass off. You come in, you're already promoted ahead of me. But he knows that's because it's you know he's Big Big Tommy's son. son. Yeah, he's Big Tommy's son. (laughs) Um, Hey, one of my favorite parts of that is whenever uh, Tommy's about to get married, and uh, Big Tommy. Yeah, Big Tommy's about to get married, and he's like, "How do we look?" (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh crap, what was the and line he's again? like, uh, what does he say? He's like, uh, he says something Chubby? Like, chubby. Or so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he says like chubby, and they're like, what? And he's like, it's alcohol talking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because that's when he's like, uh, when uh, they're getting, he's getting like his suit kind of like all prepped yeah. up to go out there, and then he's like talking to Tommy about like, it's such a big day, and he's like, you know, talking about like, you know, he's like, I didn't want to be alone, so I was like looking for somebody, yeah, he's and like, then he I just was want like, you to be happy, Dad. Yeah, he's like, I just want you to be happy, Dad. Like, he's like, how do we look? And he's like, chubby. <laughs> and then he's like, must be the champagne talking. <laughs> But uh, but also like when he first meets up with like Richard, he was like uh, 
because there was some confusion about when you know what they were when they were supposed to meet up or whatever. And he was zero like, what? He's like, what number did you call? And he was like, you know, it was like zero four niner. Did I hear a niner there? Are you calling from a walkie-talkie? And he's like, um, and he, he was like, uh, um, he's like, what did he say? Did he say something like, do I look different now that I'm a college grad? And he was like, yeah, just a shade on a decade too. How about that? <laughs> and he was like, a lot of people go to college for seven years. He's yeah, like, yeah, doctors. Yeah, they're called <laughs> doctors. <laughs> um, so that gets me to the next point on here, uh, where it says uh, they drive down the highway and what's left. Uh, those whose uh, memories stretch all the way back, back, back to the dim past of 1987 will remember a similarly demolished car in planes, trains, and automobiles. One of the better movies that this movie rips off. And I was like, really? You're going to really talk about like this is ripping off planes, trains, and automobiles? It does not rip that off at all. The only thing that maybe would be... Did he ever see that movie? I, apparently he did because I, I, I've seen other people reference it, but uh, that was one of the bigger things that he said was that this movie ripped off. I kind of uh, felt like they were doing their own thing or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, like when you see it, you're like, oh, okay. You know, okay, like, and by yeah, the way, it's own thing. Lauren Michaels also produced Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, so you can't rip off your own shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> John like, Candy was on SNL. Yeah. And a lot of people consider, you know, Chris Farley to be kind of like the next generation of somebody like John Candy or like a like a John Belushi or, well, you he, know. Well, he did this with, like, his, uh, his idol was John Belushi. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. John Belushi. But anyway. <laughs> no, who, who, whose idol would be Jim Belushi? Nobody. And no, I, I like Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi is, like, cool, but. I like Jim Belushi, but John Belushi. Was one of the greatest comedians of all time. Animal House. I'm gonna let you finish, but John Belushi. Let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. We just, I, I'm finished. We just totally Kanye'd <laughs> this entire podcast. Um, uh, but Beyonce was the best. <laughs> Beyonce had one of the greatest videos of all time. You don't deserve this shit, Taylor. Taylor, yeah. Taylor Swift. But uh, but anyway, but it says no one is funny in Tommy Boy. There are no memorable lines. Oh my. None of the characters is interesting except for the enigmatic figure played by Rob Lowe, who seems to have wandered over from Hamlet. <laughs> Judging by the evidence on the screen, the movie got a green light before a usable screenplay had been prepared, with everybody reassuring each other that since they were such funny people, inspiration would overcome them. I, it it I was don't. Forrest Gump, and I believe who said, uh, funny is as funny does. No, he didn't say that. No. Uh, but does it... Is it just me? I don't mean to be vulgar about this, but does this sound like Ebert wants to suck Rob Lowe's dick? <laughs> the only good part about this movie is Rob Lowe, who probably yeah, has a tasty Rob penis. And <laughs> Rob Lowe is a great actor. We like Rob Lowe. He's but awesome. he is not the star of this movie. No. If he was given 90 minutes against Chris Farley's 90 minutes, our spades, he would lose. Yeah, because he... He's good for the role that he has to be as Paul, where he's like, you know, the douchebag guy that's just in on this scheme. So oh, like, man, she can... brother's hug. Man, <laughs> brother's hug. Uh, also, like, uh... Well, he actually mentions that. He mentions that in here, uh, where it's like when they do the cow tipping thing. Because there's supposed to be a bonding moment where they're out, like, you know, they're like, you know, he's drinking... And he, you know, he has like the booze in the bag, and then Tommy's like driving him out to the farm so they can like go <laughs> cow tip. And so it says on here, uh, it says, um, uh, 
Let's see. Young Tommy is overjoyed, is overjoyed because Beverly has a son, Paul, which means Tommy at last will have the brother he always dreamed of. Paul doubts there's much to do in Sandusky, but Tommy proves him wrong, introducing him to the favorite local pastime, cow tipping, which means sneaking up on sleeping cows and tipping them over. In other hands, uh, this could have been the movie's only funny scene, but director Peter Siegel doesn't have a clue about comic payoffs and bungles it before end before the ending with the desperate director's ancient standby as the lad falls in the Hold mud. on. Did you just say... What did you just say about Peter Siegel? He says, uh, in, other, in other hands, this could have been the movie's only funny scene, but director Peter Siegel doesn't have a clue about comic payoffs and bungles it before the ending. Okay, so Peter Siegel did Naked Gun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Final yeah. Insult. He did that one. He was he was one of those Naked Gun alum alumni. Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah, he, he did Nutty Professor 2, which is the best Nutty Professor. Um, yeah, it's better than the first one, I think. Yeah, definitely. He did anger management. Oh, is, yeah. Yeah, he did Fifty First Dates, which references um, uh, Tommy Callahan. Uh, oh, okay. Does it? Yeah, I didn't does. remember that. Okay. I don't remember that. Uh, they they mention uh, uh, TB Callahan. Huh. Oh, okay. Tommy Boy Callahan. Tommy they, Boy Callahan. Okay. They actually mention him in Fifty First Dates. Did not know that. Yes. That's pretty interesting. Um, so that's a little Easter egg. Uh, he did The Longest Yard and Get Smart. Oh, you know, there is actually a theory that all the Adam Sandler movies are connected to all the all the rest of them. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, Adam Sandler has his... his uh, Adam Sandler universe. Yeah. Adam-verse. Adam Sandler was actually one of the people that Chris Farley wanted in this movie. He said when they wrote it that he either wanted David Spade or Adam Sandler to be... The second person. I'm glad Adam that he chose Sand- Spade. Adam Sandler was filming Billy Madison. Yeah. yeah. And David Spade was, you know, David the Spade. next guy. He was uh, he was available. Yeah. But this movie, I think, if it had had Sandler in it, it would have been too too much crazy for one screen. You need to have the crazy energetic Tommy, and then you have to have like the normal Richard yeah. because now, they balance Sand- each other. What if Sandler would have played Rob Lowe's character? That if he was Paul, that could probably make sense. But Rob Lowe does such a good job as being a dickhead as Paul. I that don't think Adam Sandler could have been a dickhead like that. Yeah, Rob Lowe he, definitely has the face. I mean, the, the charm about it. I mean, yeah, pretty boy, yeah. muscular. Yeah. You know, he's a comedian and he's muscular. That automatically makes him a douchebag. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Like in any movie, if the a guy is actually in shape, he's automatically a douchebag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're in shape. You live. All right, bro. You're douche. <laughs> You're a douche. You're a douche. Except you, Andy Sandberg, you're actually pretty built, and you're you're not a douchebag. <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, it's like I think with with Ebert, it's like I don't know if he has like some kind of like weird bias against this because it is a Saturday night Saturday Night Live like heavy involvement because of Lauren in it and Farley and Spade. It's, it's and, like it because there's a lot more on that on that list. And we, so. and we don't yeah. know. Yeah, we and we don't know why, but I mean, you know, Ebert's dead now and. Rest in peace, Roger. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we don't hate you, Roger and Ebert, but you know, it's like we also think that's you know that's this is the, the legacy th- you left. It's a trail of hate. Right. 
Just yeah. hating uh, movies for no reason. Like, you know, like uh, Armageddon. If you said, like, do I hate Armageddon? No. I, uh, some of the physics and some of the space stuff in that movie is ridiculous. But it, it's not supposed to be... Movies it, that don't have to be scientifically accurate. Let's no. get this straight from the start. Movies do not have to actually do enough research where they actually have to be 100% accurate. They're, that is they're ridiculous. Right. They're not scientists that are making these movies. Right. They're just producers and directors and writers and actors writing stuff and then filming it because they think people would enjoy it. They're like, hey, no, 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 you can't do that because it's scientifically inaccurate. Let's get Neil deGrasse Tyson because I guess he doesn't have anything else to do but comment on movies now. <laughs> well, that's funny you mentioned it because I remember Neil deGrasse Tyson telling James Cameron that his sky at the end of Titanic when, like, when Rose is on the door... And Jack's in the water. He was like, your night sky, your stars are incorrect. And uh, James Cameron, it, he's like, I think he sent him back an email because that email went to like uh, Cameron's like production people. And uh, he, he was like, uh, he was like, okay, he was like, I didn't realize that the star field was wrong. Because he's like, we honestly, he's like, we didn't ever check anything like that. Because he's like, basically all we did was we took, you know, half of a star field and then we mirror imaged it so that it's the mirror image on the other side. So he's like, if you do look up in the night sky, the stars are exactly the same on both sides. And he was like, we didn't really pay attention to that. And then he was like, and then at the end he put, but, you know, last I checked, uh, Titanic made over a billion dollars. I, I, I wonder how much the star field being correct would have added the, to the money. And then <laughs> and then Neil was like, okay, okay, he kind of burned me on that one. Yeah. I get it. So then later on when they were doing the uh, the re-release of Titanic, like they, I think in the 3D version, he was redoing Titanic and he was like going back in and patching it up and making a 3D version because they were going to put it back out in the theaters. And so he called Neil to his office and he was like, Neil, uh, he's like... Neil, welcome to my office. You're fucking fired. <laughs> right. But no, he called him. Uh, he called him and he's like, what's the star supposed to look like? No, that's what, he, that's what he did. He was like, okay, so if you're saying that our star field is wrong for that particular night, do you know what the stars are supposed to look like? And he was like, yes, I know what the alignment's supposed to be because Neil deGrasse Tyson is an astrophysicist and that's one of the things that he knows about. So he was but like, yes, I can. not a movie producer. No. So he basically sent them an, an adjusted star field that is actually correct. So when you watch the 3D version of Titanic or any newer version that has been worked on by Cameron since, it does have the correct star field. But that's just because he did—he was never aware of it because it, it wasn't something he thought about. Oh, the stars are incorrect for that night, you know. But when you watch and, that... And, and, and honestly, it's, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Who gives a shit, really? I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson is, is very popular now, and it doesn't seem like he does as much work in his own field that he should be doing because he just wants to be on TV now. It's kind of disappointing. <laughs> oh, I'm a, a little off topic on this, but there's actually a show called A Future Man that's on Netflix. I don't know if you have heard of that. Heard yeah, of yeah. It. I, it's, I, it's funny shit, but there's actually an episode where they really make fun of James Cameron on there. I mean, they dog the hell out of it. Future Man <laughs> on Hulu. Who? That's right. Who? That's right. <laughs> I got. I got. I got we are not getting paid by. It. Yeah, we're not. We're, we're not going to. <laughs> but what? What Future Man is about? <laughs> is uh, Future Josh Man Hutchinson. podcast? <laughs> yeah, Josh Hutchinson. He's on a. <laughs> <laughs> well, we he's really went off topic from Tommy Boy, didn't we? Um, but uh, holy shnikes! Holy shnikes! 
Which is actually funny because people actually use that in real life now, and yet there's no memorable moments yeah. from this movie. Yeah. Like, well, Avert, you nailed it. You nailed it. Dude. Yeah. Nobody quotes this movie. Nobody remembers this movie. People still quote this movie and to this day. you know what? Day. No one puts oh, Baby in a corner. Right. Nobody puts Baby in a corner. I only mention that because do you guys remember the SNL skit with Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley? That's like one of the best ever. The Chippendales? The, the, the Chippendales dancers? Do you remember that? No. Wow. You don't. You it was don't the Chippendales tryouts. We'll have to show you that when we're the, over. When yeah, we're done with it. Yeah, I know. I remember it's got Chris Farley and a couple other guys in it. And they're doing the Chippendale tryouts. No, it's yeah. It's, yeah, it's Chris Farley and Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze, and this was Swayze. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was still like in like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like they have you're the both ties. good, and then at the end of it, they're just like we're gonna have to go with whatever Patrick Swayze's character was name, and it's like okay, yeah, that's a good choice, and he was like mainly because. You're fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he danced his ass off. Yeah. When yeah, he did that, he killed though. it. He killed it. And he, when you watch the dance, you know, him and Patrick Swayze, it's just so iconic, you know, because you're just like, you, you get Patrick Swayze in this SNL skit, for one, which is great. Mm -hmm. Because rest in peace, Patrick Swayze, you killed it. Roadhouse. Yeah. And, and many others. It wasn't just the one movie. He was uh, also he was also Bodie in uh, Point Break. Yeah, Point Break, great movie. That was a fucking awesome I am movie. an FBI agent, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got um, to do a movie with Keanu Reeves. That'd be my dream. What was, what was the one right. where he was like the ghost or whatever? Ghost. With Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah, Ghost. It was ghost, ghost, yeah. It was just called Ghost. <laughs> ghost. Or Ghost Dad. Go no, that's, ghost. that's totally ghost. not the right one. <laughs> ghost Dad 3. It ghost. was Ghost Dad 3. Ghost they Dad. Him I see dead the, people 5. I see <laughs> dead people 5. 6. The, the 12th sense. Yeah. This is what happens when everybody starts drinking. Um, so and we've been drinking uh, Claymore Scotch Ale. We gave that a two star. Yeah. yeah. Claymore Scotch. Who makes Claymore Scotch Ale, by the way? I think it's Steve. Uh, Great Divide Brewing Company. Great Divide Brewing Company makes Claymore Scotch Ale, and we give that a two star. They're from out, Denver? Out of, three. out of three. Oh, well, I give the Denver Broncos a negative five million stars. He is a Raiders fan. I'm a Raiders fan. I'm a 49ers fan. fan, and I also give them a I'm a 69ers fan. <laughs> AJ loves 69, especially dudes. <laughs> no. Yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but just for like a little like kind of like fun add-on here, I went to uh, this this site here. Uh, this is uh, uprocks.com. Uprocks. <laughs> and they have a uh, they have like a, a thing on theirs. That's uh, what is it called? Uh, film drunk, and uh, on this was like undone under like We're anniversaries. Just podcast drunk right now. Right. So <laughs> it says uh, this is this was made back with during uh, Tommy Boy's twentieth anniversary, which was a few, which was a, a few years back. It was this was it was like twenty fifteen was the twentieth anniversary yeah, of the movie. Years, three yeah, three years ago. Um, and it says uh, Tommy Boy's twentieth anniversary. Roger Ebert and ten other critics who hated it, and. Um, so on here, of course, you have Ebert as number one, but uh, we're calling you out, critics. Right. So these uh, these were other people, and these a lot of these are like big publications that hated the movie. So number two was written by Brian Lowry, and he's from Variety. Suck it, Lowry. Suck it, Brian Lowry. We're, we're all of you guys are going on our shit list right now. Uh, number three, Karen James from the New York Times. Suck it, James. <laughs> uh, number four, Dasan Howe, Washington Hell. Post. Fuck 
Fuck you, Hal. <laughs> Number five was Owen Gleiberman from Entertainment Eat Weekly. A bag of dicks, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Number six was Marjorie Baumgarten from Austin Chronicle. Eat get a job, Baumgarten. Yeah, get, get two bags of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven was Chris Hicks from uh, Desiree News. Fuck you, Hicks. I don't even know what the hell is Desiree News. I have never heard of that. Uh, number eight was Teresa Esser for the MIT Tech. You fucked my computer up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, allegedly. Um, number nine was Mike Clark from USA Today. Mike Clark? No, Mikey Clark. Because when I saw this, I was like, wait a minute. Mikey Clark from ICP? And I was like, no. No, he wouldn't do that. No. He wouldn't do that. Fuck you, Mike Clark. Right? <laughs> Not Mikey Clark. We love you. Uh, number 10 was the in, the entire Empire magazine. <laughs> Is this the entire Empire of China? No. <laughs> uh, and then I was number about to say, I, it's I'm the Empire to... of Empire magazine. Empire. It's the Empire of Empire magazine, in which space. is probably like four people in space. Right. <laughs> Jacking dick. But, uh, dicks. uh, number 11 was Leah Rosen, uh, from People magazine. Yeah, we know who you are. Uh, psych. It, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it's uh, um, the thing about Leah Rosen, and I'm actually gonna read their comment on here because this I think don't glorify this. Don't don't glorify. I'm just no no no. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this to make a point. On Leah Rosen's, for example, it says, uh, in, in Leah's talking, you know, in, of course from her perspective, my father, a man in his seventh decade, has almost for 20 years adhered strictly to one movie viewing rule. He avoids all films starring Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, or more recently Dana Carvey. This, he claims, has saved him from uh, countless wasted hours and brain cells. And a lot of comedy and laughter. Right, yeah. So, you're just sitting in your misery watching, like, um, gay porn. What do you, <laughs> what do you, what do you no, notice? No, because at least they're happy in that. You have no happiness, so you're watching, like, what's the anti of that, like, Channing Tatum. A bag of dicks of porn. Right. <laughs> Which is the same thing. Eating a bag of dicks. <laughs> same thing. Uh, but what do you notice about all of those? SNL. Yeah. yeah, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, and Dana Carvey, all SNL people. And then it says on here, it says, I think that Dad might want to add Chris Farley and David Spade to his list. And Tommy Boy, these two members of the current Saturday Night Live cast fare no better and no worse, which isn't saying much than most of their SNL to celluloid predecessors. Yeah, that's some Saturday Night Live hate. Yeah, that's some serious Saturday Night Live hate. That's all that is. All that is is SNL hate. Very biased, if you ask me. Yeah, it's like, what is it with all these people that just hate on Saturday Night Live alumni like that? Because hey, when hey, you think about it... that was the golden age of it, too. I mean, that was the best of the best. Yeah, in the 90s, basically, that's what you... I mean, because out of the group that Farley and Spade came out of, you also had Dana Carvey, Mike Myers. You had what, Phil Hartman. <laughs> uh, who else was in that Jim group? Carey. No, Carey didn't come out of it. He was after that, buddy. No, Jim Carey was in Living Color. In Living Color. Was he? Yeah, he was on A Living Color. He was the only white guy. He got like Color. Bill per- Bill Murray. I like, thought he was. Um, no, he no, he never did go to Saturday Night Live, did he? Nope, he was in Living Color. He went out of In Living Color straight into doing movies. He actually did audition for SNL, and he was denied. Which Shit. yeah, was that was a Great. mistake. <laughs> yeah. But it, he was also on In Living Color, so it actually worked out for Jim Carrey. And know? back in the day, in those days, I liked In Living Color more than I liked SNL. I love In Living Color. That was one of my favorite shows. I wonder what happened to Mad TV. Like, whatever happened to that? 
it, it just was imploded. not political enough, I think, and people just hated it. It's I I don't know. It's well, I think because it was like a lot, they lost a lot of their cast to other shows because Alex Borstein left to go work on Family Guy, Phil Lamar left to go work on Futurama. Uh, Will Sasso, he left to go do something. You I think still see a lot of movies. guys all over the place in movies, and yep. like cameos yeah. and stuff. Yeah, Did they're all over the place. I have a question. Do you guys think Heaven is like Heath Ledger, Chris Farley, Richard Pryor, and Carrie Fisher in like a buddy cop TV show? That would be awesome. <laughs> With a soundtrack done by Prince and Jimi Hendrix. That'd be pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be pretty interesting. So. um... Let's say that we could trade an actor in to get Chris Farley back. Oh, like we uh, we sacrifice somebody to get somebody back? Well, to get specifically Chris Farley back. Okay. So what actor would you sacrifice to get Chris Farley back? Channing Tatum. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Cause my God, I watched, uh, what was that, that new movie that came out? Uh, the Kingsman 2. Mm-hmm. And he was in it, I was like, oh, this is cringy as shit. I was like, get this guy <laughs> off my screen. This is just horrible. So like, definitely Channing Tatum. He was God. actually on my list, too. He was yeah. actually number one on my list. I wanted to rip the TV off and just smash it <laughs> off the space style and burn that fucker. Yeah. And that's the, that's the He's thing. only good for eye candy for one minute, and after that, he, his use is done. Yeah, yeah that is it. By it's the time dead. Channing Tatum becomes 45, he, he will not be in any more movies. Because he'll be like, you're not pretty enough anymore. And he can't act. Yeah. No, he can't act. Like, dude, the only sorry, thing he can kind of do is shit. he can do comedy. I think we... He I, is funny. I give him that. He, he can, can be do, funny. That's all well, he can when do. when you put him face-to-face with Jonah Hill, it's hard not to be funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's I thought like, we could trade in Kevin James. Kevin James for Chris Farley? Because I don't think he'd exist. No. <laughs> if Chris Farley was still alive? Yeah. That's and I, def- do, I do like Kevin James, but... We, we like Kevin as, James, yeah. Not as much as I like Chris Farley. Um, Kevin Spacey? That'd be an easy definitely. sacrifice. Definitely. Boy lover? Yeah, he'd Yeah, we could definitely do that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we don't, we don't hate gay people. Your personal life is your personal life. But it is boys. But, I mean... Boys, not men. Yeah. He, boys. Not it's boys different. men, men and boys. That's right. That's what he was doing. We're not talking about R&B groups from Philly. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which were, which were great in their own right. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> and I would definitely trade skinny Jonah Hill in for him. Skinny not, Jonah Hill. Not, not fat Jonah Hill. I wouldn't sacrifice him. Skinny Jonah Hill. <laughs> skinny, I have yeah. no, Super bad yeah, Jonah Hill was awesome. Funny, I, ha, I have no use for skinny Jonah Hill. Yeah. I don't know. Have we seen Jonah Hill in anything yet? I've seen him in a couple movies being skinny and not funny. Really? <laughs> like, what was he in? Um... He was in Wolf of Wall Street. Too, he was wasn't? well. He was kind of no. He wasn't. Yeah, he Wall wasn't. He was skinny. It's like that. What was that? Moneyball. Movie Moneyball. He was really yeah, he skinny. was the Moneyball where he was. Uh, yeah. And the baseball movie. Like, I, I didn't care. Oh, that's the one where he was like a weapons dealer. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, that's the other one. That's the one that he did with Miles Teller. That's the. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't like that Miles Teller guy. I want to punch that guy in his damn face. I, it's something about that guy. He doesn't look like a douchebag. He Remember, totally, we're beyond the hate. <laughs> he could totally be. He could totally be like the next like Rob Lowe. Yeah, he definitely got that, like, I want to punch you in the face. You look like a nice guy, but I want to punch you in the face. Yeah, it's like, like, let me hug you, Miles Taylor. Yeah, yeah. And just punch him in the eye. I feel much better now. No, no, baby, one more, one more, one more. more. Okay, so, all right. We know we'd sacrifice to get Chris Farley back. Yeah. Now, what movies would be better with uh, Farley and Spade 
ended. Uh, Comedy movies that exist now. Um, because Rush I hour? thought, huh? Rush Hour. Ooh, ooh, shit! That would be good. Because that, that's like a that's like a buddy movie. It's like a buddy cat movie. That is good. I thought the Grown Ups movie would have been way better if Chris Farley and Spade could have been in it. Grown Ups. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that would have been pretty cool. Shit. And then we were talking about Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill earlier. What if it could have been Chris Farley and David Spade? Definitely. Jump the Jump Street hilarious. movies. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Although they would have been pretty damn old to be doing that <laughs> at yeah, this I mean, point. Well, at their he- in their heyday, like if they yeah, would have done yeah, that I'm back not, then. I'm not, like, I'm not aging it, yeah, for for now. And then I also thought something like, um, uh, like a sequel for Step Brothers, like Step Brothers Two, could have been uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Rowley and Chris Farley and David Spade. Oh, <laughs> it's, I love Step two, Brothers two too. Two sets of Step Brothers. Step Brothers two. Two sets of Step Brothers. Yeah, yeah awesome. against each other. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> oh, that would have been so brilliant. Because what was, what was that? Uh, what was that one movie? That last movie that he did. It was something about uh, going across to the Pacific or whatever. It was almost heroes. Almost heroes. That's it. God, it was, that uh, movie was so fucking funny to me. Oh yeah, it was it was it was the last movie that he did, and it was supposed to be like a Lewis and Clark event. Yeah, adventure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lewis uh, and Clark. Lewis and Clark. Clark. <laughs> he said Lewis. Not Lewis and Clark. The, the Adventures of Superman. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Kane is the man. But imagine Chris Farley as Superman and Chris and David Spade as Lo- as I, Lewis Lane. Look, I would take I would take, I would take Chris Farley. As Batman over Ben Affleck. God, yes. Jesus. Because at least he would be in a van down by the river! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But that was another thing too is that like Peter Siegel said that when he was when he was working on Tommy Boy he had got a, a criteria of things that he wanted Chris to be doing and he was like I need to have him fall through a table like he does when he plays his Matt Foley character from SNL mm-hmm. he's like I need him to yell like when he yells at the kids when he's on the boat and they were like Hey lady you got a fat whale on your boat <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh she she definitely puts the kids in their place they yeah. take off running the yeah car. yeah I'm gonna come over there and jam an oar up your ass. <laughs> And then there will, and then uh, like they keep going, and then she stands up and yells at him, and they're like, "Oh shit, we need to get out of here!" Yeah, like he's psycho. Um, <laughs> she was like, "I'm just kidding. I don't know where they live." Right? I don't really know where they live. Uh, but uh, it, but yeah. And then uh, he also wanted to have Chris do a cartwheel because he knew he could do it. That's why when he realizes and he was like D plus, I passed. I got a D plus, and he's like going up to people like random that he doesn't even know, and then he does the cartwheel through the hallway, and it was funny because Siegel said that when they were shooting that scene, Chris was kind of a perfectionist and he kept fucking up the cartwheel and it was <laughs> pissing him off because he couldn't do it right on on the camera. And he's like, Chris, I know you can do it. And he was like, if you need to, just run around the campus and get your energy out if you're mad. Because he was getting super pissed. Because he was like, I keep fucking up. I'm sorry, Peter. And he's like, just run around and like just do stuff to get your energy out because I know you're pissed off. And so he, was, he would just run around the campus because he's getting all of his angry energy out. And then eventually, once he calmed down, he was able to go and hit the cartwheel and then run down the hallway. I got a D plus. You know, and he's like all excited <laughs> running down the hallway. I thought that was pretty funny because it's like, you know, you always think of him as like this, like, you know, happy-go-lucky guy. And it's like, you know, when he does get pissed, it's like he still has to do something physical to get out of his system, you know. Uh, But, 
Yeah, and so there was like, he was like a bunch of the gags that they came up with was were things that he wanted to see Farley do or things that Farley already did. Because even the part when um, he when they go to like the very first uh, time to sell the brake pads, and he's like he's like okay, how do I look? And he was like he's like does this suit make me look fat? And he's like no, your face does. <laughs> he was like he was like Farley actually said that for real to David Spade because when they were first getting him in uh, I think it was in his wedding tux. He was like, does this tux make me look fat? And he's like, no, your face does. And he was like, and Farley like laughed his ass off. He was like, because he knew that he knew Spade was just fucking with him. And then uh, Siegel was like, we're going to use that. We're going to, he's like, we're going to add that in when, when we have the scene to do it. And so he wrote that back in because that was something that he did. Well, when you have geniuses like that, like Spade and, you know, Spade is great. I mean, um, he was at his best with Farley. The yeah, yeah, and, I mean, we, and we love Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt's fucking hilarious. And that's another thing that's on uh, Ebert's list. If you keep going, is Joe Dirt. He what? hated that movie. We're gonna have to do also, a Joe Dirt episode and now. And then he also yeah. hated Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Get the fuck. Oh, out. he can go fuck himself. I love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> I love both of them. So he hates all comedy that's great. Right. Um, <laughs> Does this guy just hate life? Buddy comedy. Yeah, anything that makes brings anyone joy, Ebert hated. He's like, no, you need to watch this boring-ass foreign film. This is great. Right. I'm not, not going to read subtitles for like eight hours, dude. That's one of the reasons, like, on some anime, I can't watch it because it's all subtitles. And I'm like, I don't want to have to read Yeah, like my all eyes hurt after like two hours in. I was like, I like it, but my eyes are bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. Eyes are right now. I'm, I'm missing <laughs> a lot of action because I'm having to read words. Um. But uh, like I, I did go into a few of the uh, user comments because I found a few things in IMDb, oh. and people on IMDb are generally a little bit easier on Tommy Boy than the critics are. The critics, a lot of them, did not like this movie, but the people for the most part did. But there's some people in here that were still haters too. So uh, the one uh, one that I found, this one was a two star. And they rated it a poor. Oh, so two out of ten. Two out of ten. That's yeah. Uh, so <laughs> they gave it a poor rating. And then this is made by, uh, what is this, uh, Rorschach46 was the person's username. This was November of 2007. Okay, a few years. Oh, actually quite a while. That was like 12 years after the movie had come out. They yeah, were watching this. back in 95. Yeah, they were watching this like 12 Shit. years after the movie came out. And it says, this is your typical junk comedy. There are almost no laughs, no genuine moments, no memorable lines, no scenes where you think to yourself, that was clever, nothing. The plot is embarrassingly bad. It's ugly to look at and boring as hell. There is no substance here. This movie has nothing. It doesn't matter if Farley was in this or not. A crap movie is a crap movie no matter who's involved. Also, David Spade is a terribly unfunny comedian who plays the same lousy character in every movie slash TV show that he's in. This movie was dead on arrival. There is no life here. No fun, no intelligence. There are plenty of other dumb comedies more enjoyable than this one. This film is just pathetic. Okay, that's... So, guys, what piss, do you think? Piss poor opinion. I, I think this guy's an idiot. But they did, never once in here is there any... It says there's no substance here. I could say the exact same thing about your review. What yeah. didn't you like about it? He doesn't say anything. He yeah. Just... You know, generically, not okay. Quite. So just like there's no laughs, there's no memorable lines. Okay, like like what? what, what you get the sick, you know, Pacific here. Like, what, yeah. What 
What what you didn't like the relationship between like Tommy and Richard, or you know you didn't like the stuff with uh, Beverly and Paul. Like, what did you like not like about this movie? You just didn't well, like the lights. If you watched it back in two thousand seven, then okay, well maybe you just it wasn't. Good. And look, if you yeah. didn't like Dan Aykroyd in this movie, then you can go fuck yourself. Because Dan Aykroyd was awesome. I I, I I saw a comment. I don't know if I saved it, but somebody's on here. That I, that I looked at said that they thought that this was one of Dan Aykroyd's worst characters that he's ever had, and I was uh, like, "No, Mr. Zelensky's fucking awesome." Yeah. No, that's another movie, and I forget the name of it, but it was really, really bad. <laughs> Ghostbusters. That's definitely not Ghostbusters. <laughs> I think he's talking about the new Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, the. Uh, the, the all-female Ghostbusters, because apparently we could just do the same thing with women. Yeah. We just, we just that's do actually... <laughs> it, it, a lot of people say differently, but that's actually more insulting the women than anything. Yeah. If you want to be a part of a good movie, don't cast just women or just men or whatever. Just cast whatever the, um, the uh, movie calls for, but don't, um, don't make it about sex or race. What do they do with Chris Hemsworth in that movie? Enlighten the people, Steve. They they give him the uh, they give him the female role in that movie. He's the eye candy, right? He's the eye candy. They make they literally which which he um, went down blonde basically. Which uh, they yeah. didn't they didn't even make what's her name eye candy in the original Ghostbusters. Janine. Janine. They didn't make her that way, but they make Chris. And not only did they make Chris Hemsworth that, but they gave up on their villain halfway through, and then just ended up making Chris Hemsworth the villain. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're like, well, the guy, actor we got to play the villain, he kind of sucks, so who... Well, we have Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Boom! Villain! Uh, and it made no sense, and people were like, this movie sucks. Because they basically stole the same storyline, and they didn't execute as right. It didn't have anything to do with if women or men played it. Yeah. yeah. Get yeah. the right women and the right men. If you want to make it, you know, co-op or something like that, if you want to get good actors to play in a Ghostbusters movie, do that. Because that's what, you know, that's what Harold Ramis and stuff did. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what they did. They're like, hey, these, you know, there's uh, Bill Murray was the high-profile guy that they got, the, the comedy relief. Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis wrote it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they got Ernie Hudson, uh, which was great. And then they got Rip Moranis and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. They, they they didn't just say, hey, we need just men. They got Sigourney Weaver, one of the most powerful women ever yeah. in, in movies. And you talk, oh, yeah, the women are getting stronger now. No no one's as strong as Sigourney Weaver she was. She started then. the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. She, no one was as strong as uh, Sigourney Weaver was back in the early 90s. People were talking about Wonder yeah. Woman started all that. It's like, no, that's Sigourney Weaver. People forget about Ripley. Yeah. I'll forget about yeah, Ripley, Ripley from she Alien. Was a, she was a superhero, and before even around that same time, Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, was yep. basically you she know, was the screen queen. She was the horror she movie queen. She was the screen queen. She started all that. She wasn't a victim. She was a hero. Uh, yeah. After the first one, she you know because she went toe to toe with uh, with uh, Michael Myers and Halloween. Michael Myers. He did, he couldn't kill her. Yeah. And it she wasn't. Oh, we couldn't kill Mike Myers. No, he couldn't kill her. Yeah. <laughs> because she shows up in like the in the other movies as it goes along, and then she also came back for the Halloween H twenty, the twentieth anniversary movie, you know H two O, yeah, and I, and that's I think the I think that 
like when you look at something like Tommy Boy, for example, even though it's like it's a buddy movie, one of the best characters in this movie is Michelle. Michelle, the, she's, the, the she's chick a that, strong, independent woman that doesn't want to listen to basically anybody. She's her own person. Yeah. And the reason that Tommy Boy doesn't get screwed over and loses everything in the movie is because her brother's a cop. And she's the yeah. one that saves the day, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, they... So you're telling me women don't get strength roles before now. No, they're just using that to sell it to you now. Yep. Yep. I would actually argue that women were stronger then in movies than they are now. Yeah, because, I mean... Because Wonder Woman needed, uh, you know, in the DC Wonder Woman and everything, she she really needed Chris, Chris Pine to help her do these things. Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor. Yeah, Steve <laughs> Trevor, and that's just not how it was in the, the Wonder Woman comic books. She didn't need him. She fell in love with him. Right. <laughs> and that's uh, and that's the thing because like whenever people talk about like you know they don't have like strong female characters in movies or whatever it's like you know you can look at this movie and like Michelle is one of the best characters in this movie because she's one of the few people like like when you see her like perform her character on this movie you're like you generally think that like yeah she would totally date Tommy because she's into Tommy she likes him you know I mean, now she goes on the date with them on the boat when they're out in the lake and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, she's not shallow. She's not, you know, oh, I'm not going to date Tommy because he's fat. There's no there's no part in that movie where nope. she judges Tommy. She likes him instantly. She yeah. likes Tommy for who Tommy is. Yeah, yeah, she likes Tommy. She likes the goofiness and the, the charm of Tommy. Yeah, the yeah. good guy. And yeah. this here's Michelle Brock, the prettiest little girl in Sandusky. <laughs> yeah. He's like, say a little something in the camera. She's yeah. like, a little, a little something, something in the camera. camera. <laughs> And he's like, ah, because she has the same kind of, same kind of humor that Tommy does, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing that this, that's cool about her character is that, like, you know, she's one like, pretty much, like, the only, like, main female in this movie besides, like, the waitress at the diner and stuff like that. But she has a pretty important part because she's the one that does all the shipping for, for, Can for Callahan Auto. Well, she's the one that gets screwed in the movie, and she's the one that saves the day. Because mm -hmm. Rob Lowe screws her over, and then she gets justice. Mm -hmm. Because while Tommy's doing all this stuff and doing great things, selling brake pads, she's the one that actually moves the storyline. Yeah, because when uh, when uh, Paul uh, breaks in and he's like messing with the computer and stuff like that, messes up the couple of orders, messes up some doors, people start canceling. Yeah, then he. Yep. Then he and, um, and he sells all those brake pads to dude because he still thinks he's going to buy the company. And he's like, nope, <laughs> you don't own the company anymore because she never married my dad. She couldn't. Right. And, and he's uh, like, you got whatever with me, kid. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got me, kid. And also, I, I like uh, Aykroyd's, uh, his Chicago accent in this movie. Beautiful. Fucking brilliant. Because I'm, I'm from Illinois. And I my uncle talked, my uncle Gary talked like... Mr. Zelensky, uh, Dan Aykroyd. His uncle is Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> right. Oh, God, I wish. Hey, yo, uncle, help me, hook me up with some money. I'm broke. <laughs> Buy uh, some more podcast equipment. Right, I need more podcast equipment. Like us. Like us. <laughs> like us, love us. Um, but uh, the like us thing is only really funny to me and Steve because we're the only ones who understand what that means. That's a total inside joke. Um, I love doing inside jokes on the show. That way you guys are like, we don't get it. Yeah, we don't love get it. it. And it's, it's the, the best way to do a show when people don't understand it or get it. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, so the, the next user comment, this is uh, 
They rated it a 4 out of 10. So they actually, they didn't totally hate it, but they didn't like it a lot either. Uh, but this is... Uh, it wasn't a total eclipse of the heart. <laughs> really? Really? We're going to go back to the 80s for total eclipse of the heart? Uh... <laughs> Uh, see, now I got that song stuck in my head. Great, Steve. <laughs> That's why I did it. Um, but it says, uh, simply uh, not very funny at all and rips off loads of other movies. Yeah, totally. And Just the, a blatant ripoff. So you know what their you know what their uh, their handle is? is uh, Movie Addict 2016. I was going to say Dick Rider. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, this, is, uh, this is from August of 2005. Okay. I... Anybody want to uh, guess the movies that they're, they, they're claiming that this rips off? Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. <laughs> yep, it's right there. Uh, but it says, Most Lorne Michaels' films seem to fail because they're essentially just extended versions of skits that barely manage to make people laugh in five-minute segments. Yeah. Wayne's World sucked. Yeah, right? nobody laughed at Wayne's World. They only made two fucking movies Party for it. time! Excellent! Party <laughs> on, guys! <laughs> Which uh, How are you doing, Wayne? yeah, and we might we might eventually do an episode on Wayne's World too. Who knows? Because uh, I'm probably sure I could find hate for that movie. Oh yeah, gotta be. Uh, people just don't like Mike Myers, but uh, it says uh, Tommy Boy is a character right from Saturday Night Live, a big, fat, lovable, in their opinion, goof who doesn't know anything. In their opinion, he's a goof. What is he in anybody else's opinion? Yeah, it's like. Well, he is a goof in the movie. Yeah. I mean, that's what, and that's even, he was, you know, because even um, uh, Paul, when, you know, after they do the cow tipping thing and he has the water hose and he's like, I'm a maniac, maniac, yeah. and he's doing all that shit with the, with the water hose and he was like, did you eat paint chips as a kid? And he's like, yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> they pretty much tell you, like, Tommy's kind of retarded. Like, I've seen that maniac song with my son and I probably would not even know that song if it wasn't for Tommy Boy. Right. Because it's from Flashdance. Maniac on the floor, you know. It's like, but have you have you have you ever watched Flashdance? No. Yeah, I've only seen like the the thing where I she know does that the routine from Tommy Boy. Right. That was the only reason that I knew about it, and then eventually, once I, because I remember uh, my mom was watching Flashdance one day, and it's like the scene where she's doing the, you know, it's the, she's a maniac, like she's doing the thing and the thing in the movie and then she like pulls the bucket and all the water hits her and stuff in the chair and I'm like oh that's from Tommy Boy <laughs> yeah they ripped this off they yeah. time traveled ripped off Tommy Boy went back in time and made this and then my <laughs> mom was like no she was like this was up before Tommy Boy and I'm like nah I'm pretty sure this was all Tommy Boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't trust you in your lies. Fake news. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Fake it's, news. Uh, but it You're says. Fired. <laughs> uh, but it says uh, David Spade gets the thankless, overwhelmed everyman role. He's paired with the annoying, overweight slob, and they endure miserable misfortunes as they travel as they travel across country to save daddy's business. They don't travel across the country. They travel around the Midwest. It's like Ohio, it's Illinois, yeah. it's Minnesota, it's those kind of places. They show, Iowa. You, a, they show you a map. Yeah, because, you know... I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in geography, but I understand <laughs> what a map looks like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is also pretty funny because when, uh, like, there's the whole scene when they're in the gas station... And uh, he's he's like talking to the guy and like the that the guy's, guy's awesome. being a dick to him at the counter and he was like twenty four miles, miles away, and then in the background you see Tommy he's like he does the thing yeah. 
<laughs> he does the thing with the uh, with the, the it's the yeah it's it's the, the the gasoline hose and he's he doesn't reach so he's like ah oh, crap so then he has to like pull the car back and he totally fucks up Richard's door on his car <laughs> yeah. and it's like bent like all the way like hyper extended backwards <laughs> and then he, you can see him in the background while while Richard's in the in the gas station talking to the clerk about where to go and you see Chris in the background and you see Tommy in the background just like hitting the door like and he's like trying to like force the door back and he finally like forces it back in and then he was like okay how much is the gas and he was like you didn't pump any and he was like what and so he like gets his stuff and he goes out there and he's like why didn't you pump any gas he was like they're all out all they got's diesel we gotta go to the next station and he opens the door and it falls off to the ground it's like what'd, what'd you, you do? do what'd you do that's like the best part he what'd just looks at him like what the fuck did you do to my car <laughs> That's one of my like. That's one of my like all-time favorite uh, yes. scenes. Is like when Richard goes to pull, like to grab the door, and just falls off onto the on the pavement. What you do? Yeah. Uh, and they say this movie doesn't have memorable moments or Bullshit. lines. Bullshit. We've mentioned plenty. Yeah. Um, and it says, uh, let's see. The movie's biggest influence is the 1987 comedy classic Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah, <laughs> that movie is great because the plot isn't stale and recycled. It's basic, yeah, a guy traveling home for Thanksgiving gets stuck with a slob, but it's real, damn it. It makes all the difference. The characters are real. The situations are far more real. Tommy Boy is pure slapstick, and its ridiculous situations undermine yes. the characters. We feel nothing for them, and we don't care about what's happening on screen. Okay, so... All right, I'm Tommy's trying to save his dad's business, and he's trying to prevent hundreds of people from losing their jobs. Let's compare planes, trains, and automobiles to Tommy Boy, just for an instant. John Candy and Chris Farley, actually nothing alike. Um, Other than they're just like, you know, big big white guys. They're, they're both big guys. John Candy had a different sense of humor than, than uh, Chris Farley. Yeah. Um, it's very different. Because uh, planes, trains, and automobiles with Steve Martin and John Candy. Yep, Steve Martin. Um, Steve Martin doesn't want John Candy along for the ride for pretty much ninety percent of the movie. Yeah, uh, it's only at the end where he's okay with inviting him in. I mean, it takes all the way to the end. That's this is a John Hughes movie. Mm -hmm. This is how these things end. Yeah. Um, which John Hughes is great. He's like, John Hughes, respect. Respect. But this isn't what happens in Tommy Boy. As soon as Richard... Richard grew up with Tommy. He knows him. They they legit should already be friends, but Tommy had a different path than Richard. Richard had to pretty much go to college. He graduated went straight to work. In Working his, at Callahan. Callahan, and it took Tommy longer to graduate from college, so he was a little behind, and he came in, Yeah. and he was already promoted. The only resentment that Richard has for Tommy is that he already is ranked higher than him. Just because he's Big Tom's son. But as soon as he figures out that Tommy it will do whatever it takes to save the company, then Richard's right behind him. They're, they're yeah. friends. A lot more respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not like the Steve Martin, John Candy thing. This isn't planes, trains, and automobiles. No. It doesn't even have the same plot line, and it doesn't even have anything. Yeah. It's just what they anything They're just saying that some of the gags were ripped from that, and I'm like, what, it because wasn't. the car gets destroyed? The car gets destroyed, but it's not even in the same manner. This one, it gets destroyed by a deer that they hit. And look, 
They, they couldn't pull off a B scene like that with Steve Martin and John Candy with the cops. Oh my that god, shit. bees! Bees! <laughs> They're everywhere! Allergic? Yeah, me too. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back and check on you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what's he say? Don't be a hero, save yourself! Save yourself! <laughs> He's like, holy shnikes, that worked. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's like and that. Look, if you want to draw comparisons to the two, then draw them. I mean, they're two iconic movies. That's not a bad comparison. It's not like you're like, oh, this movie reminds me of, you know, shithole and Garfunkel. <laughs> you know, the, the, it's not it's not a bad comparison when you compare uh, a Chris Farley movie to a legendary movie. Right. But that's the thing. It's like if they're putting it in the same air as Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is like... Considered to, by a lot of people a comedy classic, oh, yeah. that's a Something really high movie. mark. That it's like, well, this movie can be up there with like PTA. Some, you know? some people, um, the the, um, the people at uh, specifically the people at Movie Crush, consider it the best John Hughes movie. The best one? I the thought wouldn't the, would the Breakfast Club be considered the best? Maybe I would consider it the best one, but a lot of people the the. I was just talking about that because I listened to their podcast. Oh, okay. Crush, and they considered playing, uh, playing Strange and Automobiles the best John Hughes movie in general. And uh, so, you know, you'll actually have someone say Curry and Peak. Technically not even a John Hughes movie. Yeah. Well, Sixteen's Candles was, wasn't it? Sixteen Candles was. Curry okay. and Peak wasn't directed by John Hughes. Uh, Ferris Bueller, that was John Hughes, wasn't that it? That was John Hughes. Ferris Bueller's Day That's Off. actually probably my favorite. First Bueller, yeah, mine probably would yeah. be First Bueller's Day Off. I love that movie. Great, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. You fucking know that Matthew Broderick was Simba. What the fuck? <laughs> See, we're we're just we're here just to drop knowledge on people. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, I remember watching that movie a thousand times when I was a kid, and like, you know, I have a young son now, and I threw Lion King on him. And I was like, I know that voice. That's Matthew Broderick. What the fuck? Right. <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, so the, the, the next comment that I got to in this one, this one just, it, it, this one just kind of bothered me because of like one particular line. It says a fat, sad guy isn't funny in himself. He's got to do something funny too. And this is also from 2005. So this is 10 years after the movie came out. Right. After he was already dead. Yeah. Good and this job is, guy. He's like, yeah, fucking fat people. They're not funny. Yeah. You know, Family Guy hasn't existed for, you know, all these years, you know, based on, like, a, a fat, dumb white guy. You know, Jack Black sucks. Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman's garbage. Right, yeah. Philip, you know, rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, but this was uh, uh, made by John Dunklin 9, or John Dunklin. Dun Dunkling? Do, do, you mean, do you mean 9 or 9? Nine? 9 <laughs> or Niner? Did I hear did I hear Niner? Did I hear a Niner in there? Are you using a walkie-talkie? <laughs> oh, the other thing too, just while I'm thinking about it, because I had this scene in my head when uh, when he first picks up Tommy from the airport and like he's you know they're riding in Richard's car and he has that bag of M and M's on the dash and he goes around that turn and like all the M and M's start going <laughs> in the fucking radiator and he was like oh he was, my car. he was like oh that's gonna be good he's like oh the chocolate in the radiator that's gonna be good for the resale value and he was <laughs> like I think you're gonna be good here because they got a thin candy shell. I think your brain is a thick candy, is a thin candy shell. Yeah. He's like, who? 
Because, like, you see that and you're like, oh, my God. Because I'm just thinking, like, in my car, I would lose my shit if I had that much chocolate in my, in my, in my system falling into it like that. But, like, as soon as you see him throw that bag up there, you're like, he, he's, that's going to be a joke. That's going to happen at some point. Right. The M&Ms are going to fucking get into the car somehow. And that, when you start this movie, that is a nice car. Yeah, that convertible's nice. But uh, if you notice, they do switch cars. And then they start destroying a different car. Yeah, they had to because they, uh, they don't destroy the actual car you see at the first of the movie. No, they destroy they destroy a different car. Yeah, you know who actually has the the real car that they like the the, the pristine one that I they would drove hope with. David Spade. No, it's actually you know the. Jay uh, Leno. No, uh, the <laughs> yeah. guy who owns that is the Lord guy. Michaels. No, you let me finish, damn it! I mean, um, I'm interrupting you on purpose. Right. Um, so you know how they had like the deer stand up at the you know at the end, like when the deer destroys the car mm-hmm. and it stand, it's like up on top the of the car, deer and, has then it, it? and then it jumps off. The deer owns the car. <laughs> no what the fuck? case closed. <laughs> no, the guy who owns the who's the deer wrangler guy that was like dealing doing all of the deer related stunt stuff. He has that car now. That pres- well deserved. The actual pristine convertible in its original form is owned by that guy. But the funny thing was, is he that he got that deer to act his ass off. Right. <laughs> no, what they had to do was they basically at one point what they had to do to try and get the the deer to react to get onto the car was they they actually put one of the cars near the deer where they had the other deer at for like about two months. And they had to put food on it to entice it to go up there. So they had to get comfortable with, with it. They had to put food on there. And then what, basically what it did was it got up on top of the car, ate the food, shit on it. And then that was one of the stunt cars. And then it like and then it, it does the thing where it ran off. But then when Siegel checked the footage. So is it safe to say that the deer's a Philadelphia Eagles fan? <laughs> Destroyed it and then shit on it? Yeah, because that's pretty much what they did to their whole city. Um... Only only Philadelphia would destroy their fucking city because they won the Super Bowl. And they would have destroyed their city if they lost the Super Bowl. So Yeah, really they're like, We're gonna break some shit guys, so let's just make sure that it's you know it's for a good reason. Um <laughs> But the funny thing was is that when Siegel checked the footage of the deer it was unusable because they had the wrong camera angle. So they spent two months trying to get a deer to do this shit and could never use any of the footage. So then they just had to use a puppet. The, basically what they did was they one, one uh, take that they did was actually a guy in a deer suit just fucking going crazy and trying to ram the car and it looked so shit that they had to they had to uh, they only could keep I think he said he kept uh, 12 frames of the guy in the in the fake deer suit. And that guy? Was Jim Belushi? And then, <laughs> no, uh, but they had a, they had an animatronic deer, and so the the whole scene of the deer tearing Richard's car apart is like a guy in a suit and animatronic, like all kinds of bullshit, just to get that one scene. They went through so much work. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny because that is one of the like most iconic things of that movie. It's almost like they, they spent twenty million dollars on this movie, right? So, it, I mean... Did me on a deer scene. Oh, yeah, 19 yeah. million was on the deer scene. Was on the deer. <laughs> deer! Uh, <laughs> uh, I also like when they first uh, when they, they first get into uh, the, the next location after they'd hit the deer and they were like, you know, they got back into the office where they were going like, to try and sell the next guy. And he was like, uh, he was like, 
he was like, I don't know if you noticed, but like that thing in the back seat is not an air freshener. It's a dead running deer carcass, and we got to take care of it ASAP. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like uh, it would have been a great air freshener at all. No, it would have been horrible. Uh, but uh, it depends on your taste. I guess if you yeah. were Ed Gein, you would have loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, nothing gets you more excited than the smell of death in the air. You know, <laughs> it's like, ah, it's like it's napalm Phil, in the morning. That's what Phil Collins was talking about. <laughs> you can feel it. <laughs> yeah, you can feel it in the air tonight. <laughs> Dead rotting deer carcass. Tonight. Yeah. Oh no. Drums were awesome. Yeah. But he is talking about killing somebody. He's not. I don't know. I thought he was talking about sex, wasn't he? Isn't that a song about sex? Maybe. It's probably. Almost every song ever made is about sex in some way. <laughs> um, except Metallica's one. That's definitely not about sex. But anyway. Uh, is um, it not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you sometimes were... I wish that Lars would go fuck himself, but that's <laughs> different. <laughs> oh! <laughs> bang, bang. Oh! Podcast over! Drop the mic. Um... <laughs> Uh, but so back on the comment, it says, uh, this movie sure deserves a better grade. That is if it was intended to appeal, uh, to appeal kids. I think they meant to put a, to appeal to kids, uh, one to nine years old. Uh, but the movie takes adult one to nine years old. Is this, uh, who, who is this? It's not it's Kevin not, Spacey. It's, it's not a, it's not a Gacy either. Thank no. Dunkley nine. Is it not a John Wayne Gacy? Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> Although this person might be a clown. Uh, but the, the movie makes adult sex-related jokes, so it isn't made for a younger audience. Uh, funny? Well, I did smile, not laugh, at least three times while watching. It's Me just... like <laughs> Tommy want wingy. Tommy want wingy. It's just a too boring There's story. There's a girl down there. You want a buddy whack it? <laughs> It's like, uh, I, I bet she's dated one of the Yankees. Yankees. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it says, it's just too boring story. Yeah, totally. That's uh, why you're watching it, it's a fucking story. Uh, it, it's, no, it's how, that's how they worded that. It's just a too boring story. It's like... A too boring story. Like, too fast, too furious. Right, no. Too fast, too boring. Uh, too fast, too boring. It says, uh, I <laughs> no vin, no, you know, no reason. Um... It says, I do give it two stars because I smiled a few times. Chris Farley plays uh, just That's the guy creepy. that is just fat and stupid. A fat, stupid guy isn't funny in himself. He's got to do something funny, too. Stay away from this one, folks. A rainy day is funnier. Uh, that's not a film title. I meant an actual rainy day. And then they put, like, a sideways smiley face. Well written. <laughs> yeah. Now go back to playing Warcraft. Right, yeah. Uh... <laughs> So then the last one that it has, and this one's actually a little bit closer to when the movie came out, because uh, this was 1998, December of 98, and this is made by uh, Brian97. So that's why it's typed on a piece of paper and mailed? <laughs> oh, no, this one's, uh, no, I'm uh, these, are, these are all digital, but yeah. <laughs> oh, somebody actually sends us for real hate mail. Like, nobody has our address, but if we ever got a thing that was like, Dear Beyond the Hate Podcast, and they hand wrote this shit in I an envelope... Want- I would take writer. I would take pictures and put that on the page. Yeah, it's like this. This is from the past. Right. Somebody sent us a fax. Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Somebody went back in time. Somebody time traveled. They went and back sent us. to the future. 
could be an episode. Um, yeah, I don't know if anybody. Maybe, maybe part three. three. Part three, probably. Right. Yeah. People hated three. I I, I like I like three. I like all the Back to the Future movies, but um, if you hate Michael J. Fox, then fuck you. Right? Yeah. Doc Hollywood was the shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they gave the movie a one out of ten. It says this movie was terrible. Uh, it says, Tommy Boy is one of the worst films I have ever seen. No, it's not. The acting is terrible. No. The comedy is lame. No. The jokes are gross. No. Chris Farley was not a good comedian. No. That's, whoa, fucking way wrong. All he knew how to do was use disgusting humor along with his size to make raunchy jokes. No. How many actually raunchy jokes are in Tommy Boy, though? Barely any. There isn't, like, a lot. Like, there is sexual jokes in there. But it, his entire thing would, is would not that. Would you consider a raunchy joke Rob Lowe peeing on an electrical unit and then getting his dick shot? Well, that was one of the things that I think Roger Ebert didn't like about it was he thought that they, they, they used like crude jokes like that. And I'm like, but that's like one thing. He was just taking a leak on a fucking electrical transformer and it shocked the shit out of him. Yeah, you know? That was part of the joke is that he's kind of an idiot. He was drinking because he throws the bottle and smashes it. And then she, he just like starts peeing on something that's electrical. That's the stupidest so thing you can Yeah, he's a, he's a dickhead. He's not thinking. He's been drinking all that stuff. Um, you don't see any penis. Right. <laughs> the not clown not has no penis. Problem. The clown has no penis. Uh, it says the only hope for this film is David Spade, who provides some comic relief in an otherwise unfunny film. I don't recommend this film to anyone. If you're smart, you will stay away from it. I give this film one out of ten and an F. Two thumbs down. <laughs> But yes, oh. you are not hired. Right. Oh. Two thumbs right in your asshole. I give those, I give those things two thumbs down. Two thumbs down. <laughs> now we're going to the Chappelle show. Yeah, right. Oh, if I ever find hate for Chappelle show, that's... Oh, weird. there's going to be plenty of hate for Chappelle show. Yeah, oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. But I think that, like, that was one of the things that got me was that all the people that felt like it was unfunny... It didn't have memorable lines. I'm like, I quote this it's like movie. The, it's like the complete opposite. I mean, it's so memorable. I mean, you've got people quoted all the time to this day. Right, I'm yeah. Hell. I mean, and there's, there's like comedians that have taken bits of Chris Farley's act and like tried to replicate it yeah. because of how popular it was. And to say that Chris Farley wasn't funny, how much money did this movie make in the box office? Do you have that number, Steve? It made $32.7 million. So it made a profit? Pretty, pretty damn good. It made, yeah, comedies um, Comedies usually don't gross a lot in the box office. Usually when you spend 20... DVD. Yeah, it's mostly in DVD and then TV sales and advertising. Yeah. That's usually what you yeah. want to bank on in comedies. That's why... Um, is it Judd Apatow's... Um, what was the movie? Uh, it wasn't Funny People. It was the one... Uh, well, Forty Year of Word Virgin was one of them, but there was one after oh, knocked, knocked Up. Knocked Up. Knocked Up was one of the the highest grossing comedies of that time, and it Except wasn't right. you know. And then he, then Ted broke that. Then Ted broke the that. The original Ted broke that. Yeah. And I think Ted may still hold that. Um, for especially for an R rated comedy, it made a shit ton of money. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't. Seth MacFarlane, yeah. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane is, is very hilarious. He knows what he's doing. Mark Wahlberg. And it has Mila Kunis in that movie? I Mark mean, Wahlberg oh yeah. definitely Hell yeah. Mean, yeah, Mila. Mila. <laughs> so I think that's why Ted 2 didn't do as good as 1. No Mila. 
And I like Amanda uh, Seyfried, well, but... Kind of thing, I think they've done, the, 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 uh, they done her the way they do on Family Guy. They do like, damn shit. That fuck with well, her so bad. Well, no, well, the reason she wasn't into is because she was pregnant. Okay. Right. And yeah. she couldn't be in it because, you know, she's married to Ashton Kutcher, which is amazing. Uh, he's an amazing dude. Uh, but, uh, yeah. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> he's a beautiful man. He is. Him and Mila, they're very passionate. The one of the reasons that you know, um, people criticize his show, The Ranch, that's Republican heavy. He's actually himself not very Republican heavy. He believes in gun rights, but he doesn't believe in, you know, Trump or anything like that. He doesn't. He definitely does not agree with that because his wife is a foreigner. Um, yeah, Mila Kunis is from uh, Russia, right? Yeah, or is Ukraine. it Ukraine? Ukraine. So it's he, Ukraine. He definitely yeah. believes in gun rights because you know he's kind. Of, he 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 owns guns and he thinks that everyone should have the right to defend himself, but the yeah, deportation we, stuff, it, it would affect Neela Kunis if, you know, some, you know, it, it's just, he's a very emotional person. Yeah, we, and, get, we get very political with this. But. Yeah, we're not going to do that. This isn't what this is about. This is yeah, we don't do, politics is not our thing. We don't do that. We're not going to dive into it because we, we don't know shit about politics. We just know right and wrong. We know good and bad. That's yeah. what we know. And, uh, Chris, yeah, Chris Farley, uh, that's what this podcast is about. And February is about love. Yep. And everyone, by the way, should love one another. And unless you're hate or unless you're someone that just really hates, you're a serial killer, you're a rapist, you're whatever. You a hatist. You're a hatist. Kevin Spacey. You're, you're Kevin Spacey. You don't <laughs> deserve love. We're talking about love, and that's why we're doing things that we love. We love Chris Farley. Yeah. That's oh, why we God. all got together. We love Chris Farley. Um, and that's that's one of the things, like, when we were thinking about what we were going to do for February, my thought was that I wanted to do, you know, something, like, for Black History Month. And so we, you know, we have... We decided we also love Wesley Snipes. Yeah, we love Wesley yeah. Snipes. So we're gonna do We're going to do two Wesley Snipes movies this month. And we also love love. Right. It's <laughs> going to be the complete true romance. Right. Um... Uh, <laughs> And that, that may shock you what that means. The other thing, too, that what's the thing that ties all of the movies that we're going to do together? They're all from the 90s. We love ourselves some 90s. We oh, love yeah. ourselves some 90s. Grew up in the 90s. This, <laughs> is what, this is what the world should know. Stop all the hate. Love. But don't love the wrong things. Yeah. Don't love to hate. And don't give in to it. I mean, this don't give into the dark side, right? Unless you're going to be cool like Kylo Ren, right? Or Vader, you know? Yeah, you there know? you go. Or Vader. I mean, Vader. Don't don't kill younglings though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Vader, fuck that all up. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say like just since we're since we just randomly got to Kylo Ren. I like Kylo Ren way better in Last Jedi than I did Fuck the yes. first movie. His character is so. I like him so much better, you know, and it's Adam like Adam Driver, killing it. Yeah, uh, and you know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Last Jedi, just, you know, just skip ahead a little bit here, but when, and we're going to get into Last Jedi eventually, because, oh shit, is there some hate on that movie? We just wanted to make, we just wanted to make sure that we watched it thoroughly. We yeah. loved this movie, but we wanted to make sure that we 
watched it multiple times before we did an episode. On Blu-ray, and we can, you know, because some things you miss when you watch it in the theaters, because there's so much to, to absorb. Because we wanted to do it immediately, and we're like, no, we don't want to half-ass anything. We want to wait till Blu-ray comes we out. We want to make sure that we see it, and then we can explain it. Yeah. We love this movie. There's a bunch of hate on this, and we're coming for you. Yeah. There, yeah. It's, it's coming. For the people that didn't <laughs> like, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, the people that didn't like the fact that Snoke just got cut in half, I was like, good, I don't need him because I don't care about Snoke. I don't yeah, care where the fuck he's from. It's not about him. It's about Kylo Ren. Yeah, if, you guys were, if you guys have all these theories about, oh, well, he's like a resurrected Palpatine, or, you know, he's like an ancient Jedi. I even heard people that were like, maybe he was like the first Jedi and he's been re- like reawoken. No, Ryan I don't care Johnson, about any of that shit. Ryan Johnson was like, all this stuff and theories is the reason that Snoke died in this film. He was like, people were thinking about the wrong storyline. Yeah, it's yeah. That's not, it's not needed, about Snoke. He needed people to think about Kylo, Rey, and Poe more. Yeah, and that's this movie's very heavy on that. And let's not be twisted about this. This movie, the main character, was Poe Dameron. <laughs> Poe fucking Dameron. He has the most screen time, I believe, in this movie, but this is why we want to watch it again. So and we again. can kind of like yeah digest but some of the stuff. Like I, the I, I'm pretty posed to think that he's going to be the, the main resistance guy. He's going to be the one that's going to take over Leia's spot. I'm going he's, to yeah. He's going to take over for General Leia. I'm going to call out uh, just early theory right here, right now. I think Poe is the one that kills Kylo. Problem? Not Rey. Problem. That would be. Then again, it especially if it goes from like a, if it's a ship to ship battle, I think it was one in that battle. <laughs> I, I think it comes because why else would they purposely make a ship to ship battle not happen in this movie? Because they did that on purpose at the beginning of the movie, where Poe can get to his X wing versus Kylo, but he destroys his X wing right before. Why would they do that? It's because they're like, no, 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 Poe versus Kylo is going to happen, but that's not coming. now. Not We're going to tease that, that that's going to happen, because that so was the theory we Star came up Wars with. Star Wars could actually happen in the stars, and it couldn't be, Rey could be saving something else. Why she could Poe. be saving the Resistance, and it's Kylo versus Poe in a starship to starship battle. Which is yeah. what, because we know that the, the emotional... Uh, connection between Poe and I mean uh, not Poe and Ray, uh, Kylo and Ray, might prevent her from uh, defeating him. Yep. So she might not even want to fight him. Uh, but, but let's but make no po, mistake about it. Poe Dameron is Leia's like he, he is. He's pro like pro her pro other son. Yeah. Because she she loves Poe. Why else would she entrust anybody in the Resistance? To you know, go in and deal with the plans or like the uh, the the map to Luke. Why would she? She didn't trust that to anybody else but Poe Dameron. He's got to be somebody special. We even had the theory that like perhaps Poe might be uh, like Luke's son. <laughs> that Poe could be actually he could be the other like the hidden Skywalker. Poe seems like the most likely to be a Skywalker. Ray might not be anyone, but I think Poe may be a Skywalker. Because when you think about his like abilities, he's got to have some kind of force ability, and we're we're gonna dive into all this stuff when yeah, we actually get to be Last that Jedi. Fucking good. Just, like, you can't you just can't be, be a regular it, dude it, 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 and do can, that. You can't be one of the best pilots in the entire galaxy and not have any type of force sensitivity. And right. being entrusted to, and I know there's people that are like, well, what about the comics, John? Like the the comics, you know, Poe has like definitive parents and stuff like that. Those parents could be adopted. 
I mean, he could, he could have been adopted by that family. Yeah, you know? so, like, like, Ryan Johnson said that it's not it's not generic. You know, it's not something that's uh, passed down or genetic. Like, yeah, passed down from family. Like, anybody could be force sensitive. Depending yeah, on the force. that's why it doesn't matter who Ray is. I don't yeah. care who her parents are. It doesn't matter who her parents are. Yeah. What matters is what she does. It doesn't matter who your parents are. Right. Wherever the, wherever the force manifests itself. Yeah. Yep. But we will we will get into we will get into the uh, the Star Wars sequels eventually. We'll probably do what Force Awakens, and then we'll do Last Jedi. Maybe. Unless we just need to do Last Jedi, but I mean, I could do an episode. I on think both. there's definitely one coming for the hand movie. <laughs> Definitely. Did you guys see the Han Solo trailer? Yeah, I did see yeah. the Han Solo trailer. Wasn't a lot of Han in it. There was more Lando and Chewie than Han. And I think which Ron makes Howard, me think, hey, this might actually work. This might be pretty good. I, I think Ron Howard might have came in and saved it. Yeah, he, he might did. have. Lando he, and Chewie are focused way more in that than Han is because you don't really see Han just for like, he's like one or two shots, maybe three shots. Mm-hmm. I think he what they're going to okay do. And, and you know, Amelia Clark's in it. Oh, yes. God, God, bitches, God was in this shit right. Yeah. John Snow on the throne. Yeah. <laughs> or, kill but, uh, or kill them all. Whatever. But uh, uh, we. Uh, <laughs> so while we've deviated quite a bit from Tommy Boy, but you know, hey, we're drinking, so things happen. Yeah, shit yeah. happens. Um, um, okay, but, but we love you, Chris Farley. We love you, David Spade. Thank you for giving us this amazing fucking movie. It's one of my favorite comedy movies of all time. Richard. <laughs> Fat guy in a little coat. Thank uh, you for all the great movies you made for us uh, in your time that you're here. Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah, I love Beverly Hills Ninja. Black and Sheep was awesome. Heroes. The last movie he made was Almost Heroes. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! And uh, everything you've done was great. Uh, sorry that your life was cut short on this earth. And uh, this is a tribute to you. Gone but not forgotten. Is, is it working? We have to oh, okay, there Welcome we go. to WatchMojo.com, and today we'll be counting down our top 10 favorite Chris Farley moments. Sweet mother of God, what is the holdup? Number 10, The Bat, Black Sheep. I hate those damn things. Oh, man! Oh, it bit me! Kicking off our list is a hilarious scene between two real-life buddies. As always, Farley plays the fat slob goofball to Spade's way skinnier goofball. And in this scene, the two team up to fight a bat. The result is comedy gold and pure Chris Farley. High energy, over-the-top screaming, physical harm, and just general idiocy. The entire film may be disappointing, but this... Is perfect. Number nine, Lunch Lady Land, Saturday Night Live. I know you want seconds on the corn dogs, but there's no reason to shout. Who would have thought Farley could interpret a dance's way to laughs? Unrestrained as per usual, Farley backs up Adam Sandler and his guitar, but of course he steals the show as the mole-faced, apron-wearing lunch lady. Hoagies and grinders, hoagies and grinders, navy beans, navy beans, navy beans, navy beans. Farley was always trying to get a laugh from his pals on screen and off. This time, all he needs to do is snuggle with a sandwich. Everybody now. Number eight, 
the bus driver, Billy Madison. Oh, yeah! Everybody yeah. had Madison? Yeah! yeah. Cool. yeah. Cool. yeah. Cool. He was the bus wonderful. driver. Wonderful. No yelling on the bus! You need an angry <laughs> bus driver with mutton chops? You call Chris Farley. Look at him. He's a ticking time bomb. And pelting him with food is not going to help. Hey! Just when you think you've got this guy pegged, he steps up to motivate Billy. We may never forget when the Spanish Armada was. 1588. That is correct. <laughs> In fact, it will haunt our dreams. A special shout out to his love scene with the penguin. Oh yeah. Number seven, Schmidt's Gay, Saturday Night Live. We gotta admit, we never thought we'd see this. With Sandler in tow, Farley and his Hawaiian shirt settle in to house it a dump in this fake beer ad. Fortunately, the pool is where it's at. While Farley tones down his usually excessive comedy, he does bring just the right amount of gay. <laughs> and between the massages, the speedos, and the water games, it's obvious that Farley enjoys the view. <laughs> Number six, Ben Brower, Saturday Night Live. I haven't had sex with a woman. I, I don't know how that works. Well, that was too much information. Bennett Brower is a greasy, bespectacled news commentator who's anything but the norm, and he knows it. I don't own a toothbrush or let my scabs heal. We've always known Farley would do or say anything for a laugh, and this character is no exception. And since Chris Farley was the boy who never grew up, they just let him fly around like Peter Pan. I have a weight problem. <laughs> Number five, Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals, Saturday Night Live. Sir, do you realize that you are not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals? What? This SNL sketch has all the hallmarks of a classic. Farley is at the center of never-before-seen footage from a hidden camera show where his regular coffee was swapped for decaf. Let's see what happens. What? You son of a bitch. <laughs> you no good Irrational anger? Check. Random violence? Check. Possible brain damage? Check. For realsies, don't mess with a coffee drinker's cup of joe. Mr. Hawk, how do you feel about your experience on hidden camera? Angry. Number four, Japanese game show, Saturday Night Live. Big mistake. Big mistake. Japanese game shows are insane. Once you get past these pseudo-racist Asian impersonations, you see Farley as a small-town American tourist who's definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time. Good Lord! Most of the laughs come from the fish-out-of-water premise, but we get a bit of Farley physical humor for good measure. Really? All right, well... Kanuka! Kanuka! <laughs> Number three, The Salesman, Tommy boy. Yes, Let's say yeah. I go into some guy's office. Let's say he's even remotely interested in buying something. Well, then I get all excited. I'm like, Jojo, the idiot circus boy. <laughs> in a more successful matchup with David Spade, Farley again plays the dim-witted slob. And then I take my naughty pet and I go... <laughs> <laughs> oh! I killed it! 
This time, he tries yeah. to get in the game yes. by helping to sell some brake pads. But failarity ensues when he uses the client's priceless toys for his desktop demo. Hey, I can't stop! <laughs> and things get worse when he becomes a deranged pyromaniac. All because you want to save a couple extra pennies. <laughs> to me, it doesn't get out. Get out. He can always put himself up by ordering some wings. Tell me what wingy. Number two. Matt Foley, Saturday Night Matt Live. Matt Foley, yeah. Uh, you kids are probably saying to yourselves, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get the world by the tail and wrap it around and pull it down and put it in my pocket. Matt Foley is everything a motivational speaker should be. Calm, rational, and wearing pants that fit. No, wait, that's not right. He's got all the classic elements that make a textbook <laughs> Chris Farley character, complete with a short temper. Dad, I wish you could just shut your big yapper! Coffee-fueled hyperactivity. How can we get back on the right track? And a willingness to smash tables. Here's you, here's Matt, there's you, there! Plus, we get the added bonus of catchphrases. You're not going to amount to Jack Squat! If Farley had lived, there would have been a Matt Foley movie. We forget, where did he live again? In a van down by the river! <laughs> Number one, Chippendale, oh, Saturday Chippendale. Night <laughs> Taking the top spot on our list, obviously, is this classic skit starring two beloved guys who've died too young. Frankly, we don't know what's more distracting, Farley's gut or Swayze's mullet. Either way, what's best about this sketch is you get to see how agile the big guy really is because he's able to keep up with the Dirty Dancer, and then some. And as always, Farley can be counted on to pull out all the stops to win. And we do mean all the stops. Do you agree with our list? Blah, 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 blah. Which Chris Farley moment cracked you up the most? I don't wear clothes that fit me. That guy in a little coat. <laughs> For more hilarious top tens, be sure to subscribe to WatchMojo.com. Oh, yeah.